No, we haven't canceled ourselves yet. The Yeehaw Junction podcast is back uh, for another week. This is episode three. Episode three, man. This is so much fun. This is like already, I've said it before, but each time when we finish one, I'm already looking forward to the next one. And that was very much the case with this one. Uh, before we get too far, I am your one of your hosts, Ricky Mast. He's Ben Ingram. Uh, if you don't know us at all, we spend most of our year working in baseball. We both work, both work with the Atlanta Braves. Ben is the voice of the Braves on Braves Radio. I work in marketing, social media. In the offseason, we have some time to kill. And Ben and I are buddies, and we have discovered over the years that we are both music nerds, music junkies, whatever you want to call it. We have a lot of shared interests in music, and we also have some that really don't share at all, which is also cool about how we talk about music but anyways ben and i spend a lot of our free time talking texting whatever about music and we thought you know what this off season let's get together and do a few shows and thus yeehaw junction was born here we are so if this is if you missed the first two shows which i don't know how you did because i'm sure they're 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 ramp, racing up the the apple or apple podcast charts now as we speak yeah, lots so, of demand yes less I, my mom's listening or going to listen because yeah, as we're recording these, we're not putting them out immediately. Yeah. I Maybe your mom is, I don't know. So. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know that she'd be able to find how to listen to a podcast. <laughs> they can barely turn the television on. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. The I've We've often said the dulcet tones of Ben Ingram, but we really got the dulcet yeah, tones this week. Little, came back with a little bit of uh, Phoenix cactus funk. Well, that's I okay. was out there partying with buddies and we... <laughs> It went pretty hard, and I'm 43 years old, and this is the result of that. So. I love it. I yeah. love it. Love to hear it. Well, this week's topic, before we get into it, I, well, well, we'll say it real quick. This week's topic is, <laughs> I, you know, in weeks past, I've predicted, like, okay, what artists or what things are Ben and I going to have that are the same on our lists? I don't have any specific predictions, just a general one. I think we're going to laugh more on this I one do too. than any other. This is so much fun. What were you listening to your senior year of high school? And I, I wrote down everything I could think of, the good, the bad, and the hilarious. Well, that's what makes this show unique because with so many other shows that we do, it's your favorite this, it's your best that, it's, it's good things. This is a show that really allows us to make fun of ourselves uh, because so many times we're talking about shows or shows, we're talking about albums, artists, uh, songs that were impactful to us or uh, top 10 of these or whatever it may be. Everything is greatness. This is the complete opposite of that. Now, <laughs> what, I, I don't know how, and, and this is how you and I do this show. We come up with a topic and we don't really talk about how we're going to go into this. We just let it be what it's going to be. So the way that you go about it might be a little bit different than how I go about it, which makes this even that much more fun. And what I did was, and you you can outline how you did yours in a moment, but I, at first I, I went and found, and I graduated high school in 1998, and okay. you graduated when? 2001. 2001. So I went and found um, a, a, a basically a, a summarization uh, of the music industry in 1998, what the top songs were, that kind of thing, just to give you an, an outline. Uh, to give you a, a, an idea and an outlier on um, exactly what was going on that specific year rather than that genre. Just here's what's happening in that year. And uh, I found that, that a lot of the things that I was listening to were, were none of those things. None of the Billboard Top 20 singles of 1998 or anything like that. But I, I started with what I liked that I feel like I still like. And then I got to the part where... All right, here's the embarrassing part. And and that just went on and on and on and on and on. So I've got music that I listened to then 
that I still listen to now or I'm not ashamed to admit that I listen to. Then I have another list where it's like, okay, here's the embarrassing stuff that when, when you're 18 years old, I, I don't know anybody who's not embarrassed of things that they listened to when they were in high school. I, I've got stuff on here that I'm just like, what? What was I thinking with some of this stuff? So I, I think it's going to be really fun to kind of point the fingers at ourselves and laugh at each other. So I will tell you this, the starting point of how you started your process and mine, completely different. I didn't look up, um, or did I look up the charts? I might've briefly looked, but I really, that was not where I started if I looked at all. Yeah. Uh, I was actually looking at some charts for another episode we're doing down the future. I think that's what I'm thinking of, but where we are similar is that where we where I landed in that I've got stuff that in my mind I absolutely not only would still listen to but do still listen to in some cases stuff that in my mind is timeless that I I loved then I still love it now will probably always love it mm -hmm. some stuff that in the broad view or the general critics view of things maybe some of it doesn't hold up quote unquote as well but I would still listen to some of it and then there's some that does not hold up and, and there's one case and I don't know how we're going to exactly do this. I've got one. I, I was trying to think of like, what is the absolute worst thing that I listened to back then? Like that I actually sort of liked listening to. Yeah. And I couldn't, there wasn't like an obvious thing. And then a couple days after, cause what I'd originally did, this was my research. I just started thinking about it and they just, just yeah. started coming to yeah. me. It was so it was refreshing after the last couple of weeks to go this way with it, where it was just all I had to do was just think and put my mind back in a really fun, transformative time in my life. But there wasn't that one that really jumped out. And then a couple of days in, I don't know what caused me to think of it. But when I thought of it, I went, I thought of it and I went, oh my God, I actually bought that. You jarred something loose in your mind. Something came loose. Now, this was the last bit of my research that this was just fortuitous. It worked out this way for me. So we're recording this. It's a, it's a Wednesday night. I spent all day or most of today uh, on the road. I had to drive up from Atlanta to North Carolina to do something for work and then drive back. So I had about uh, seven hours total in the car today. So what I did was I already had my list of everything that came to mind. And I went back through and for most of it, like the, especially the stuff that I don't listen to regularly now or haven't listened to in years. And I pretty much ran through all of it in the car and it was really fun. Some of it, I was like, all right, I'm still, I haven't listened to this in years, but I'm still digging this. And then there were some that I was laughing out loud in my <laughs> car. And then the worst example, which I think I'll just save that one for the end. I think maybe that's the big reveal here. It's uh, just my awful listening habits of 2001. <laughs> I was howling. I was going to have to pull over because I was laughing so hard. Uh, so I think this is going to be a ton of fun. I'm going to preface all this by saying like I have, I, at times I know I have music snob tendencies. Yeah. Doing this show fully confirms that I could never actually be one. Because yeah. Right. I, I have had, I, my history is littered with questionable taste. At best. <laughs> We've so, evolved a lot. I'd say. I would say so. So, uh, so yeah, that, the, I, maybe I should, uh, cleanse my palate to get myself prepared for this a little bit by saying over the weekend, I went to a vinyl record show the Atlanta record and vinyl show. And I came away from there with five records, all of which I'm proud to, to own. Uh, Willie Nelson, Stardust. Yeah, very good. I, I I have a Yeehaw Junction effect on Willie Nelson, the artist, not just his songs after you and I saw him at ATL live yeah. a month ago. Uh -huh. 
I've always appreciated him, always respected the man. He's an icon. There were some songs of his I liked, but never really got into him. Seeing him live changed me in him, in my opinion of, or just my my listening habits of him to where now I've been going back and listening to stuff and I'm like, man, this is so good. And I, it's kind of cool because I'm discovering it later in life. Yeah. And with him, there's so much. So got Stardust, put it on the vinyl player, or on the record player the other night. It's just perfect. It's perfect perfection. Bought a couple greatest hits albums. Got uh, Alabama's first greatest hits record on vinyl. Got uh-huh. the new, well, it's not new, but it's new on vinyl, Stone Temple Pilots. Uh, I've got a couple of their albums, studio albums, but greatest hits record it's it's there's no misses it's great plus it has uh, an acoustic version of plush that was recorded i think it when they were on the headbangers ball yeah 30 years ago that's wonderful uh let's see i got a metallica bootleg concert from 1999 on vinyl where was the show uh let's see what is is that germany it's a it's a name of a place in Europe that I don't know how to say. Okay. The Formula One racetrack is there. I think Nürburgring. Nür- Nür- I'm going to sound like an idiot to somebody who knows what I'm talking I don't about. know German geography, so yeah. you're in the right place. Hell might not even be German. <laughs> Somewhere not in the United States. Yeah. But I bought that. And then the uh, the wild card and the whole bunch. Um, was I saw it. had no... <laughs> wouldn't have ever thought to buy this. And I saw it. I was like, oh, man. I loved this album when I was 12. Buying it. Uh, do you remember an alt rock band that had a couple huge hits? The Presidents of the United oh, States. Oh yeah, were they were they were they Peaches? Peaches yes. and Lump and yeah, Kitty Lump. Uh-huh. and Doom Buggy. Yeah, I saw it. some dude had that brand new wrapped in plastic for pretty cheap. And I was like, hell yeah, I'm buying. I remember the video to Peaches. Oh yeah, yeah. It's 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 a funny band, but it fun. Yeah, fun, fun songs. Uh, so I'm giving you all this if you're listening to prove that I have eclectic and evolved and nice taste for the most part <laughs> before i give you the however long let's say this episode's an hour two hours long of pure crap yeah some of it's great yeah some of it's crap so where where should we start with this i, I know like the i tell you what we if you've listened to the show a couple weeks you know anything about me i'll get this one i don't want to say out of the way but i want to quickly mention this one okay because this is one that we're going to do a, a live records episode at some point this one is one that I know you love. I love it. And I want to have that full discussion about this album on that show. But I need to mention it on this one because if there was one CD, because at the time it was CDs, um, that, that I had playing more in my car, my, uh, my old Hugger Orange Camaro that I had, mm-hmm. T-Top Camaro that I had, and couldn't tell me nothing. Much like Lil yeah. Nas X, Ben. Yeah, couldn't yeah. tell me nothing. Uh, Metallica's S&M probably got more. I probably listened to that more than anything which else. Which is, what, 99? Came out in 99, but I, which would have been my middle of my junior year. Yeah. Uh, but that, it it stayed in the in the CD player for all the way through my senior year. My love of Metallica started in 99, and that was like my first new Metallica release as a Metallica fan, and then I just love that album. So uh, I listen to that more than anything. But again, there's so much I want to say about that, but when we do our live record show, I think that'll be a better yeah. place to have that. Yeah, good call. Plus, that, that that is one, more than anything else on this list, that's one I still listen to. I do too. Regularly. And and so much so that they had the S&M 2 and uh, you know, you and I were both excited for that one. But uh, yeah, great live album. Yeah, and, uh, that'll definitely have its place. Yeah, so that'll have its place. So that would be the whew, boy. It starts going downhill quickly after that. But, um, <laughs> All right, let me let me ask you this. Yeah. Um, you mentioned your car in high school. 
You had a you know, Camaro? A Hugger Orange T-Top Camaro. What year was that? It was 99. I was a spoiled kid. I had a relatively new car. Okay. Yeah. Because, it's funny you said, because I didn't know this about you. Um, so that was your first car? It was. My first car was a, and I feel like it's important to tell about our cars because that's how we were listening to music, probably more than anything else. Yep. Uh, I mean, I had a stereo in my room. It wasn't, it was, I say stereo, it was a little boom box. It had a CD player and that kind of thing. Um, but I think it's important to tell about how we were listening and ten consuming this music because my first car, um, 1989 Ford F-150, nice. extended bed. I mean, yeah, that, that thing would stretch around the block. That thing was so long. It's like I was going to paint houses on that thing. <laughs> um, but this thing did not have a CD player. So in order for me to listen to CDs, I had the Discman player with that connected tape that would go in into the tape deck. Oh, yeah. And it would play whatever was rolling on the CD. If you were under the age of probably 38 years old, you have no idea what I'm talking about right now. Because it wasn't too long after that where they started putting CD players in cars. I remember the first car that I got in that had a CD player. And I thought, man, this person's rich. Right. Um, because I didn't have anything like that. Not only did I not have a CD player, the radio that I had in my truck, and I don't understand why this is the case, um, it, it did not get the FM band of radio. I got AM radio, which I feel to this day is a major contributor to me being in radio broadcasting because I would listen to AM radio. There were two AM sports stations in my hometown, so I would listen to those, and I would scan the dial and pick up games from different places. That was my radio experience. I didn't have FM. Um, I mowed enough yards and did enough sheetrock by my junior year where I bought a new radio. Still didn't have the CD player, but I had the radio that would play FM and AM, which was a big deal at that time. But I had the, the tape deck, and I had the Discman, and I'd put the DVD or the uh, DVD, the CD in the in the uh, Discman. There was the attached cassette tape that you would plug in and it would play what was on your CD. And, of course, you hit a bump and the thing skips and there was nothing clean about it. But that's how I consumed music. So it was uh, eventually FM radio. And we had uh, a pop station, a rock, classic rock station, two country stations, two hip hop stations in my hometown. So I would... I listen to way more FM radio than that I do. I hardly ever listen to the radio now. I listen to my Apple music playlist, podcasts, and XM radio. That's really it. I, I very, very, very rarely go to FM radio, which is odd given that that's what I do. Um, but that's how I was taking in these CDs back in the day. And I'd imagine, and you were doing the same thing. And when I graduated high school, my first car, 96 Camaro. So we were, no we were T-Top brothers. You had T-Top? Yeah. Uh, T-Tops. Game changer. I don't know how to put it. They were bitching. They were awesome. <laughs> they just were. They were so cool. I yeah. love the T-Top. So what color was yours? Mine was forest green. Really? Forest green body with the with the black canopy top. Yeah. Um, and you'd pop the and the T-Tops, the you know, the, the glass, uh, tinted glass top. You take them out and put them in the back, and same, same with oh, me. It was, mine, awesome. it was mine was hugger orange, uh, but and it had the but the black top with the the, the shape exactly the same as you just yeah, described. Yeah, yeah. So I'm so glad you brought that up about how we were consuming it because I was I thought about that so much while getting ready for this show of how back then those 15 minutes that I would drive from home to school that was like sacred time yeah, because that's yeah. when I could blast my music. I like you had the boom box in my room at my parents' house, which was great. 
But if you're a respectful kid or somewhat respectful, you can only have that thing crank so loud. But man, when you're in your car and there's going to be in my list here, there are a few instances of memories of listening to these that involve me being in that car yeah. around that time. Yeah. And I'll tell you how important it was. I don't know if it was like I took some birthday money or whatever little money I had saved up. Or maybe it was this was my big I wanted for Christmas or birthday or something. I wanted a subwoofer for my Camaro. Now, you had the same Camaro. Yeah. There's not exactly a lot of space in a Camaro, at least back then. Right. For extra speakers, essentially. Yeah. So uh, what's the name of the company? MTX, the uh, the like stereo electronics company. At the time, I don't. I've I haven't looked at this stuff in decades, so I don't know what is even out there now. But at the time, they were making these subwoofers. I believe they were called Thunderforms, and they had a line of them, and they were a subwoofer, but then encased in something that was specifically designed for a car or vehicle that had limited space, or just to even if it was a larger vehicle, it still would save you the space. Yeah. So this, I got one for my Camaro, and. You mentioned you put those you would put those T tops in the trunk area of your Camaro. If you're standing at the the rear of your your car and looking um, facing like facing forward, like this pointing the same direction as the car, yeah. right? Looking at your trunk on the left, uh, open up your trunk on the left. There was this at least in my year there was a little like pocket that that was kind of there, and it was just a little small storage area. This MTX Thunderform I got was designed specifically for Camaros. And I guess uh, was the Pontiac equivalent, the uh, Firebird Firebird yeah, that you would fit in that little pocket. So I got my subwoofer and got it all wired up. Oh, and that's cool. Because so, I just, my music was that important. I had, it had to be loud and I wanted that bass to, to thump. Mm -hmm. and so, and there's just so many times I would talk about, I would volunteer. Like if we were going to get like mom and dad wanted to uh, like, oh, let's, let's order takeout or something tonight. My hand was up immediately to go mm -hmm. get it just so I could go listen to music because we lived out in the country. So we were 15 minutes from anywhere. That meant I got 30 minutes of drive time and listening to to music. And at that age, it's just it, it's it was it was important. It was mm -hmm. like it was like, you know, I lived for those moments. And it, it's fun. I'm, I'm glad we both had that experience because that's when thinking back and all these is like, oh, yeah, I remember listening to this at this spot in the car. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so, all right, you graduated, you said 97 or 98? 98. 98, okay. All right, so, I and I'm curious because some of mine aren't necessarily, these all didn't come out in 2001, the year I graduated. Right, right, yeah. Oh, and I will also say this, I went, uh, I went, I started with, basically when I, my first, I would have started my senior year of high school in August of 2000, and I took it all the way through, uh, early into the next summer. So we graduated in mid June, but there are some memories and stuff from that summer because it was still before you started college, before yeah. we started college, there's some, definitely some music like memories from that, that month or two afterward of graduating. And it was kind of like, you know, some is your last hurrah with some of those friends. Yeah, I mean, yeah. some, you just, as, as life happens, you drift apart, some still talk to, but there are definitely some fun memories and songs that I connect very, very much with that month and a half yeah. or so at, between okay. graduating high school and college. So okay, I'm pretty perfect. much day one to when it was time to leave from college is where I went. Okay, perfect, perfect. All right, so I mentioned this summary, and this is where I want to start. This is a, I went on Wikipedia, and I was finding the, the top songs from the year that I graduated. So 1998, I graduate. The, so that's the fall of 97, spring of 98, my senior year. 
This is what it said. In a year when the best-selling album was the soundtrack from Titanic, <laughs> just to give you an idea of where we were, it's a small miracle that an innuendo-laden love song by an R&B group was named the pop song of the year. The group Next, fronted by R.L. Hugger alongside brothers T-Lo and Tweet Brown, released Too Close on their debut album Rated Next. The song spent 53 weeks on the charts with five of the top uh, spots starting in April of 1998. The version that charted and played on the radio for years does not include the R-rated opening monologue that cast the entirety of the song's innuendo in a much clearer light. So that's what was going on in 1998. Um, I, I looked at the, the, the top 20 singles of 1998, and absolutely zero of those songs are on my list of what I, what I was listening to. I mean, the, the, the list... Here, let me let me find this right quick because I, I screenshot it. All right, here was the list. I mentioned too close. Um, the Boy is Mine by Brandy and Monica. Uh, You're Still the One, Shania Twain. Truly, Madly, Deeply, Savage Garden. How Do I Live, Leanne Rhymes. Um, on and on, All My Life, Casey and JoJo. This gives you an idea of what was going on in, in that time period. I was not listening to any of those songs. And, and what's funny is you mentioned the year that you graduated high school. And yeah, there were there were new songs that I was listening to that came out specifically that year. But for the most part, what I was listening to was probably between one and five years old. Now, I, I did not put on my list some of the things that we have mentioned in previous episodes. I was li listening to Zeppelin. I was listening to Skinner. I was listening to the Stones and listening to Metallica and uh, all those bands, Nirvana, Soundgarden. I was listening to all them. But uh, I kind of narrowed it down to th those basically 12 months of from when I started my my uh, senior year up until my freshman year of college. And what was I really locked into then? So this list, I have a pretty good list of things that I was really into. But I thought this guy would be a really great way to start it because there are a couple of guys who were at the peaks of their careers in my high school career. And I was listening to a bunch of them, but I thought it would be fitting in the, in the, um, it, basically in, in the, um, uh, the randomness that this show could be. I thought that would be great to start off with a pretty random artist that maybe no one would expect to be on this list. My senior year, I was listening to a pretty good amount of Aaron Tippin. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listen, I'm laughing. But I, you got nothing to be feel bad about yeah. there. We, we, I am way in on '90s country. Okay, yeah. I'm laughing, and none of this stuff really matches. But I thought like this is a great place to dive in. I'm going to tell you something, Ben Ingram. As we go through this list, no matter how embarrassing it gets, you've got to stand for something, or you'll fall for anything. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. Aaron Tippin came out with three albums when I was in high school. I mean, the man was on fire at the time, and, and I wasn't listening to just. Uh, one album. I, I was I was listening to basically all his everything he had come out with in that span of time because there was kind of a pattern there. He'd come out with an album that had really one solid banger on there, and then about ten, eleven other songs that were kind of okay, not too bad. But next, he didn't put out a Stardust. No, no, he did not. <laughs> okay. But it was um, that's as close as I'll get to loving you. Oh, great song. Um, what this country needs. I got it. Honest working man's PhD. Um, there ain't nothing wrong with a radio. You got to stand for something, as you mentioned. So there was a, a pretty good stretch of time there where 
Aaron Tippin was on top of his game when I was in high school. And when he'd come out with a new hit, I was listening to a lot of it. Because he was one of my favorite country artists when I was in high school. All right. I love that. That is, that's a great place to start. Oddly enough, I spent, there's so 90s country. If we talk about country music, that is my jam more than anything. But aside from one, I've got not even an album. I got one song from my senior year of high school. It's country and nothing else on here. That's country that came to mind. I don't know. I'm sure kind of like you said, like I don't have Skinner or Zeppelin on here. I know I was listening to Skinner right. and Zeppelin. These are the ones that like you said, you put it perfectly. I was locked in on during that time. There was, I was for whatever reason, I was not locked in on anything country. Maybe it was because I had spent so much of the first part of the decade whilst going from kid to teenager listening to nothing but country that by the time I got to high school, I was starting to discover yeah. just listening locked in on more things. Cause I can timestamp you after I get out of high school and I get into college where I start going dipping back hard into country in certain areas, but mm. senior high school, I'll, well, I'll just go ahead and tell you, I have one song that came to mind and it was, I believe it was the summer right as I graduated, uh, Brooks and Dunn, Ain't Nothing About You. Yeah. I think it was on the, was it Steers and Stripes That album? sounds right. Uh, something like I that. I got an uncle who wore that, so he, would, he was always singing that song. Oh, love it. He, he's an actual cowboy, but he, he, he'd walk through the door and he'd start singing that song. That's great. Yeah. It, it, I think it's only in America. It's probably on that album, too, Bec I think. Yeah, because that came out right after 9-11. Yeah, yeah. Um, or, no, this was... So Ain't Nothing About You was, it was, I remember listening to it that summer leading up to 9 -11. Okay. Uh, so maybe, maybe only America was after, maybe not the same album, but uh, I remember listening to, to that song that summer and that was like, that was one country song that my senior year, I loved that song. Yeah. Uh, but that's, it's, it's crazy as much as I love country music and particularly back in the nineties and we were coming along. Uh, but my senior year, that, that's it. Nothing yeah. else made the list. That's interesting. Because yeah. I, I wrote down some acts that I was listening. I was listening to Tracy Bird, Brooks and Dunn, Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Alabama. And I put their names down because I was listening to them, but not quite as, as, as um, intently as three other country artists that I had on my list. Aaron Tippin was one of them. But there are two others. I was going to throw them out there. There are two yeah. others that I was really, really locked in on in high school. I feel like George Strait released a new album every single year that I was in high school. And and I looked it up in his music catalog. My freshman year, he released Lead On. That had Adelida on there. I loved that song. Uh, my sophomore year, he released Clear Blue Sky. I Can Still Make Cheyenne, Carried Away, uh, Clear, Blue Sky, Clear Blue Sky itself. My junior year, he released Carrying Your Love With Me. Oh, that's a great album. And it had She'll Leave You With a Smile. It had One Night at a uh, Time. Uh, She'll Leave You With a Smile was road less traveled okay I, I only know that because when i got my freshman year of college that album was newer and that is my favorite george Strait album is it really it's i there's i mean where do you even begin with him but that one to me is my favorite okay so and i remember that was one of the things where i was dipping back into country yeah was my freshman year of college and it was with that album and it the first song on that album is she'll leave with a smile how about that yeah and then my senior year was um one step at a time um, that had true on it, which is one of my favorite George Strait songs. So, um, all right, well, you know what? I need to correct myself here, Ben, because I was interesting. He put, she'll leave you with a smile was on carrying your love with me and was also again on the road, less travel really? and wasn't a single. 
Okay, let's see. It is not to be confused with a different song, also entitled She'll Leave You With a Smile, written by Jackson Leap and recorded by Straight on his 1997 album, Carrying Your Love With Me. So he has a song by that same name, but it's not the same, same song. song. So we're both right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, he, he was he was coming out with a new album every year, freshman year, sophomore, junior, senior. And I, we would just have it on, especially like a baseball practice, things like that. We just had it on. So that was on a lot. And then this other one really makes me laugh. Um, oh, yeah. The embarrassment that we're, what you just did, I had that, I was envisioning that in my head today. I'm like, I'm going to have to, there's so many times where I get ready to say something tonight where I'm going to go, oh, And then there's this guy. <laughs> um, this, this, this isn't bad at all. It's just kind of funny looking back on it because I just mentioned, you know, a legend like George Strait. But I was also listening to a lot of Clay Walker at the time. <laughs> That's not bad. It's not bad. Um, he'd released Rumor Has It. That's a good song. Um, good song. He had uh, Hypnotize the Moon. And there was a girl that I had a crush on, and she loved that album. So I was, I was like, well, I got to buy this album and play it. I got to get her in the car and play this song and see what happens. Um, <laughs> but th- those, all that came, I feel like he was peak career when I was in high school. So that kind of wraps up my country list. It, a lot of George Strait, a lot of Clay Walker, a lot of Aaron Tippin, and the other guys that I mentioned, they're all in there, but those are the main three. Was Clay Walker was uh, if I could make a living out of love. Yeah, you. that's a good song. Only on Re- days at Indian Y. Yeah, yeah. Nah, there's nothing. We shouldn't even be laughing about that. I respect that. There's nothing. Aaron Tippin, Clay Walker, George Strait. I working man's country right there. If that's if that's your type of embarrassment, I'm gonna win this. No, thing no, no. I, I, I got landslide. The, these are the ones that I was. Kind of proud of. Okay. I got, I got, I got some stuff on this list. As I know you do, it's like, oh my gosh, am I really going to admit this? But yeah. we're going to see who can out cringe the other <laughs> one. All right, we're we're dipping in with the stuff we're still we're we're still cool. I'm, with. I'm still mixing in the stuff that I'm cool with. Yeah. I've got a few more of those. I know you do too. So you can yeah. jump in right there too. All right. Well, I'll quickly do this one because this is one that most everybody listening to this is probably never going to have heard of this band. I am curious to see. If you saw this band, <clears throat> we're going to do a concerts episode at some point, too, so we can delve more into this. But I know your first, I believe your first rock concert was on the same tour as my first rock concert. Uh, and this was the opening band. Again, we'll save the the, de- the all the details of it for a future episode. But the opening band at the concert I went to was the Screaming Cheetah Wheelies. Uh-huh. Um, and so technically, they opened the first rock show I ever went to. And... So they were kind of the first rock band I saw because chronologically they're their opener. Yeah. Their album at the time was called Big Wheel. And I went and got the uh, the CD. Uh, that was actually this morning when I hit the road for my road trip. I had this list of all these different, and I didn't go in order. I was just like, all right, let me look at this list I'm, I'm going over with, like that I'm going to read to Ben tonight. I was like, where do I want to start? I was like, you know what? Listen to Wheelies, big to their Big Wheel album. Mm-hmm. Listen to, I burned the whole thing down. It, it was still solid. Very much enjoyed it. They're kind of a, I don't know how to who to compare them to. They're kind of in the kind of the neighborhood of a collective soul, right? With a little more, maybe a little more bluesy, soulful. The Mike Ferris, the singer, had kind of more of a soulful vocal delivery. Yeah, uh, I mean soulful in the the sense of like like a soul type singer, like a little bit more just mm-hmm. different like that. Uh, but I listened to them today, and I'm like, man, I, I really like these guys. They never made it big. They actually, they I think they disbanded in like 2002, and there was this Facebook group that was just fans of the Screaming Cheetah Wheelies that has developed and stayed active, and it got active enough that the the band last summer got together and no did some reunion shows, and they called it the Long Goodbye 
uh, mini tour. And those few shows that they did did well enough that they, then they did like a little mini festival up in Tennessee. And we were working as baseball season. I had already taken off weeks for wedding and vacations and yeah. everything. So I, I couldn't go, but uh, I'm not ashamed of that one. Funny. Who are they opening for? Uh, they were opening for Skinner and ZZ Top. Yeah. Okay. So uh, yeah, that was, uh, we'll, we'll get into that. I still remember that was a huge night of my life going to my first rock show. We'll get into that in the concerts episode uh, at some point, but uh, yeah, that, that album, I still remember going to, at the time there were two record stores in my hometown. Now records, it's not like a record store now where it's actual records. It was all CDs back mm. then. And well, at that point in time, cassette tapes too, probably. Um, I went to the one guy, he had his little, it was a pretty small independent store and I only went in there twice. And the other time I went in there, I'll come up with another one of my uh, artists here on this list. This was the second time I'd been in there. And I say, you know, I'm looking for Screaming Cheetah Wheelies, uh, Big Wheel. And he didn't have it, but he looks up, he had a, this is very, very early internet days. I mean, he had literally like a big phone book looking catalog where he could, yeah. whoever his distributors were, he could look up stuff and he'd say, I don't have it, but I'll, I can have it two days from now. You could literally walk from his store up to the other record store. I said, oh, it's okay. No, thanks, man. And he goes, don't go somewhere else and get it just because and pay more money for it just because you can get it now. I'll never forget this. And he goes, that would be foolish. And I remember huh. even as a teenager, a dumb 16 or 17 year old thinking, well, I'm never coming in here again. Like, yeah. You're telling me that. Uh, he, he later went out of business, by the way. Uh, and you know what I did? <laughs> I walked up to the other record store and I paid $2 more because they had it. Because they had it, yeah. And I still own that CD somewhere. So uh, Screaming Cheetah Wheelies, Big Wheel, just a fun album. I'm not embarrassed by it. They had a funny sounding name. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it was solid. So nothing, nothing to be I remember about. that band's name. I don't... I, if you played me a song, I don't think I'd be say that's them, but I remember that name. They had on an earlier album, they had one hit in the early nine minor hit, um, Shaking the Blues or Shaking These Blues, I think. And then off of this album, there are a couple songs that were <laughs> there was one song that was like the lead song of the uh, Bride of Chucky soundtrack. No way. Yeah. Uh <laughs> it plays like in the opening scene of the movie. Uh and then the one that they're probably a little more proud of. I can't remember if it's, is it Halcyon? No, it's not Halcyon Days. It's uh, whatever the second track is. You know, I'm going to look it up here because I don't want to, I don't want to uh, screw this up. Screaming Cheetah Wheelies. I've got a lot of S's in my Apple Music. There they are. <laughs> Groove Me. That's the name of the song. Look it up. is in an episode of uh, Sopranos or Sopranos. I always never know which one I'm, which yeah. I'm supposed to say that. Uh, it's in an episode where uh, they're at the, the Bada Bing. And it's the song that the girls are dancing to on stage. Groove me. Groove me. But it was a well-chosen song for that, that yeah. scene. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, good band. Um, we don't have to spend too much time on them because I know they're, no, nobody's probably ever heard of them. That'll be the only band on here nobody's ever heard of. I'll tell you that. See, we, we've been on the air or doing the show now for the last, what, 25, 30 minutes. And we have already gone so many different directions, which yeah. is why we love to do this show. Um I mentioned kind of the country stuff. That's pretty much my whole list of country. Everything else is pretty much rock. And I, when we start, when I started coming up with, who I wanted to have on this list, there are uh, three bands that jumped out really quickly. And and I wouldn't say that they're identical, but they're all kind of in the same musical tree, maybe. And um, I'll, I'll start with with this band and. Uh, this is a unique one. 
because the fall semester of my senior year, there was a brand new record by the band Everclear that came out. It's called So Much for the Afterglow. And it was a cool record. It was, it was kind of had some poppy stuff, a father of mine and stuff like that. And it was, eh, I'm, it's okay. But I had never heard of Everclear before. And um, so I, I thought, you know, maybe I'll buy this album. But um, there was a guy in my study hall class and he was a huge music dude and every day he was wearing different band t-shirts he nine inch nails typo negative tool i mean he was pretty advanced for a 17 18 year old i guess you might say so i trusted his, his opinion on music and i remember he mentioned the new everclear album he's like that's cool but it's nowhere near as good as their previous album and I got me thinking, well, that's, I didn't even know they had a previous album. I just heard of these guys for the first time. And I went and checked it out. And that was um, uh, an album called Sparkle and Fade, which had been out for two or three years. And that was the album that had um, Santa Monica, mm -hmm. which is probably their biggest song. Summerland, Heroin Girl, Strawberry, Twist Inside. Uh, the whole album was freaking cool and it was so much better than what they had just come out with the one they had just come out with had lots of songs that were good for radio this other song was outside of santa monica was not a radio friendly uh album and i just liked uh art uh was the lead singer i loved his voice and the lyrics were just gritty i mean it was about it, it was about his experiences as a drug addict um that life overcoming that life and here I was, an 18-year-old in Mississippi, living pretty much a sheltered life. And this was all foreign stuff to me, so I was interested. Uh, and like I said, I'd, I wasn't trying to go out and pursue heroin or anything like that. But I was, <laughs> this, this was such a different world for me. It's never too late. It's, right, exactly. I've got the off-season, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so by way of an album that came out my senior year, I discovered previous work by a band that I ended up really enjoying. And it was kind of rebellious music. I mean, I was at a time in my life where... You don't fear the consequences like maybe you did a couple of years earlier. You're kind of looking to see what's around the corner. What's What are these people doing? What's dangerous here? I don't mind if I break curfew. I don't care if I get in trouble. And what does this lead to? Uh, and again, this these were none of the things that I was looking to pursue. But at the same time, I didn't mind checking out what was going on and what the real world was like for other people who were in different places than me. And this album was talking about things that were completely foreign to how I grew up in Mississippi. So really good rock album and um really enjoy that album a lot i listened to that a ton my senior year sparkling fade everclear S selfishly this is another reason i'm glad we're doing this show because so i absolutely love 90s rock if i have xm or what well, my wife's car has xm now i don't have it in mine but uh i whenever i'm around a serious xm i always put on lithium mm -hmm. that's my go-to i love 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 90s rock and that encompasses a lot of that's not there's a lot of subgenres, I guess you would say, underneath that umbrella. And I like a lot of it or most of it. Everclear is one I really only know like father of mine. And I'm gonna be totally honest with you, I've never liked that song. Yeah. I never got into the couple of hits I heard by them. So because of I only knew a couple of songs by them, I have never until literally right now even thought of diving deeper into their catalog. Cause but you saying that your description of it is like, okay. I've missed something. The album that I mentioned versus the one that came out my senior year were two very different albums. And um, I, like I said, that so much for the Afterglow album, I listened to it. And it was like, okay, whatever. 
Okay. But when the get when a, a buddy of mine said it's nowhere near what their last album was like, that's what I thought. Oh, I don't even know. I didn't know what that was. I think everybody's heard Santa Monica. Everybody knows that song. Um, but when I listen to the rest of that out, even today, it's just a good road trip album that I'll listen to. And but I, it takes me back to that year. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of that when I um, some of these other bands. Because there, there are two other bands that are kind of the same in that main, 311 and Sublime. Yeah. And I listen to both of them a lot in high school. So if I hear a 311 song, and I got both of them on my list, um, 311's album, um, uh, their self-titled album came out when I was early in high school. That was Down, All Mixed Up, uh, Don't Stay Home. That came out right after my freshman year. I don't think I discovered them until my sophomore year. So... Um, Right as I'm starting my senior year, that's when their next album comes out. I think it was called Transistor. And there was a lot of hype about that album. That had Beautiful Disaster on it. Uh, cool album. Uh, probably didn't have quite the hits the last one did. It was some cool songs on there. But I just remember thinking that that's a, a kind of music that I was interested in. It was... Um, it was it was it was music that I didn't think my parents would want me to listen to, so therefore it encouraged me to listen to it more. Right, if that makes any sense, it does. You know, I never really Three Eleven and Sublime were both bands who I was aware of in high school, but I don't think I'd ever listened to. It wasn't until probably college that I even checked either of them out. Three Eleven is a band I still need to do a deeper dive on because the few songs I know, I actually I've I've enjoyed. Um, Sublime was one. I was very late to the party on that. And Where, the party wasn't long. It was very brief. With Bradley Knoll, yeah, the singer yeah. was. I mean, he was. I mean, they were over before they started. Essentially, yeah, yeah. really. I think he died the right before the album was put out. Right before, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I, the Sublime was one of those bands where I was aware, like I'd seen the the record, the album cover, and I knew what it looked like. I'd never listened to it. And where I flipped with them was later on. I might have even been out of college. I mean, we're talking yeah. years later. I heard Bad Fish for the first time. And all of a sudden, like, you know, Santeria, Summertime, all these things had kind of, I enjoyed them. But then I heard Bad Fish and I went, oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's really friggin' cool. So yeah. I was very late to the party on those. Um, yeah, I didn't, wish I'd gotten into Sublime in particular. I wish I'd checked them out earlier in high school. But they, well, you'll hear what, <laughs> you'll, You'll hear what style of music was occupying most of my time <laughs> in a little bit. I'll, I'll throw one thing out there about 311, and I, did, I didn't know this until I was leaning up the other day. I I think about them in the late 90s, early 2000s when I was listening to them. I looked them up on Apple Music. They have released an album just about every year or every other year since then. They've got like 20-something albums. Really? On. They just had an album come out this year, and they've had a ton of albums, and I had no idea. Uh, oh, that's cool. Yeah, so that was Good that kind of blew me away. I think they've got. I know back in the day they had to, and I assume they still do. Kind of a, I don't. I mean this as a a compliment, like kind of a cult following that that is very loyal and yeah, keeps yeah. them, you know, keeps them out there. Well, yeah, I'll tell you what. I'll throw out. This is not exactly in the same vein, but kind of. We're we're in this. We're in the same neighborhood here. Yeah. Uh, with the type of band we're talking about, this band and this album in particular. It came out and I got it my junior year, but it got played a lot. And then I've got uh, I've got I've got a story uh, that goes along with one song on it too. So this is a band I was racking my brain. I you and I have talked so much music over the last few years. This is one I was trying to remember. I'm like, does Ben hate this band, or have we never talked about them? It's one or the other. I don't know. So Californication by the Red Hot Chili oh, Peppers. Love Red Did you? Oh, okay. love them. Okay. All right. Now, all right. I just it just clicked in my mind who who it is that you don't like. 
We'll say that'll come up. Okay. You know what? I know what I know what episode it'll come up in. And I'm gonna save it for that. Um, Californication, dude. I still listen to it every now and then. I own it on vinyl. I listened to it today on the road, and it just it it holds up so well. The first half of that record, it's 15 tracks on that record. The first half, the first seven songs, I was listening to them today. I'm like, God, I still love these so much. Yeah. Every single one. Around the World, Parallel Universe, Scar Tissue, the title track, Easily, Get On Top. I mean, they're all so good. I have no idea most of the time what Anthony Kiedis is even talking about. There's just something about that band and their groove, their sound that is so unique. And I feel like, I know Blood Sugar Sex Magic is probably... I would I would wager to guess that most critics or whoever would probably put that as like their masterpiece. I would still go with with Californication. Granted, I've never listened too much to Mother's Milk or the early stuff from the 80s. Uh, But Californication. Now, one track I skipped over. That's where the story comes. Uh, Other Side. Hit song Uh for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. So and I mentioned my Camaro. So I am 16 years old, um, very end. Actually, maybe this is somewhere in between junior year and senior year. I'm riding down the road one night, uh, listening to this album, listening to Other Side, and 16 years old, and I'm driving a little too fast. Very, very too fast, actually. Uh, fast enough that the, the cop I drove by way too fast pulled me over, and I got into some trouble. Uh, I got into a lot of trouble. <laughs> it was not a little ticket. It was it was eighty nine and a fifty five, and that was reckless driving, and that's a problem. Yeah. <clears throat> so, just I could go into the whole story, but the, let me give you the Cliff Notes version. I was a stupid sixteen year old driving fast. Were we all? Road. Yeah. So this isn't one where it's just like, well, I got a little speeding ticket. I'm gonna go pay fines. Like I gotta go to court for this one because uh-huh. this is you know reckless driving. That's 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 a problem. So I go to have to wait a couple months go to court my dad goes with me and i'm fully expecting i'm like i'm gonna lose my license for a little bit my dad i remember thinking i don't think he thought that i think he just thought they would find me or something that'd be it the judge to his credit he was he was very lenient with me and he only took my license for two months i remember my dad was surprised we took my car my camaro because dad he was again was not expecting he'd already gotten on me when i and and not punished me but uh you know, let me know how bad I'd messed up when it happened. Right. So he was just being a good supportive dad that day. I lose my license for two months. So we go out now. Dad's got to drive, uh, drive my car. And so I had it on the FM station that I would listen to, uh, 96.3 RV, Rock of Virginia, out of Roanoke. We get in the car and now he's driving. So he starts the car and ROV is on the radio and the car turns on, radio turns on. What song is playing? Other, Other side. side by the Chili Peppers. <laughs> and I just start laughing. And he looks at me and he's like, what's funny? I was like, this is the same song that was playing when I got pulled over. <laughs> and then he just starts laughing. And then we're just sitting there in my car in the courthouse. I just lost my license. And we're just sitting there laughing like like idiots. And it was it was a very nice, like, we weren't howling. But we laughed just enough where, for me, it was kind of cathartic. And I felt a little less bad about myself for a minute. Um, so, yeah, Other Side was... Was uh, was great. I'll, I'll go ahead and piggyback that story with another. Well, uh, I just love that it gave you and your dad a, a memory that you didn't expect to have. And I, I bet I bet he doesn't remember that in particular. I'll ask him when I go home for for uh, Thanksgiving. We're recording this week before Thanksgiving, but it's certainly one that I remember, and it's 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 embedded in my mind. Yeah. So, so I lost my license for two months. Now let me back up to the year prior when I got my driver's license. One of the 
day I turned 16, it was on a Sunday. Um, I forget the whole process of how it worked, but basically our principal at the high school had to sign something that allowed me to get my license or she helped me get my, it was on a Sunday and I was determined like the day I turned 16, I want my driver's license. Mm-hmm. It was on a Sunday mm-hmm. and everything, all the government stuff's closed on Sunday. So uh, somehow or another, our, our vice principal at the high school helped me get the, the paperwork done ahead of time so that I could, I could wake up on that Sunday morning and drive. So when I got in the car that first day, I put on uh, my girlfriend at the time, she was a little bit older than me. So I got my license while in the middle of our relationship she had given me, um, she had the double Woodstock 94 live album and she never listened to it. And so she gave it to me. There was Metallica was on there. A lot of the acts that were there at 94 were on there. And I really liked listening to it. So the first song I played the morning of, um, of me getting my license was the Woodstock 94 live version of Collective Soul singing Shine, mm-hmm. which is great. It sounds great. And so what did I do when I lost my license? The first day I got my license back a couple years later, I played Woodstock 94. <laughs> and then stupid 21-year-old Ricky also got in trouble and lost his license again. And so then what did I do when I got my license back the third time? Mm-hmm. Woodstock 94. <laughs> like got a good thing going. I, I even joked to my parents. I was like, I know that I really need to reevaluate some things when I have an official, I just got my driver's license <laughs> back song. So, so, but uh I know I was, uh, that was a long tangent off of Chili Peppers, but there was some some memories definitely associated with that. But Californication, man, talk about an album that absolutely, so hold, good. absolutely holds up. It is fantastic. Such a fascinating band, too. Um, when you mentioned some of the earlier work, I remember Blood, Sugar, Sex, and Magic came out, I think, when I was in the seventh grade. Sounds right. Early, yeah, early 91. 90, yeah. 92? 91, 92? Yeah, yeah, I was 92, 93. I could have been when I heard it for the first time. Okay. And um, thinking they were great, and and such a such a great band, but such a complex band. If if you start to study them, because you um, was it Hillel Slovak, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, who had passed away. He was in their group, heroin, I believe, heroin, yeah. 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 And they had John Frusciante come in for his first tour with a band, and and he had drug issues. And then what? Dave Navarro was a guitarist in the band. He was there on the aptly titled one. Was it one hot minute album? I that, believe. That sounds I believe right. that was the one album where he was their guitarist. Okay. And then Frusciante came. And back. He came back for Californication. Mm-hmm. And then and I loved Stadium Arcadium. That was like a double album. That's good. I like By the Way. Yeah. By the Way is good. Um, when that came out, a buddy of mine were having a road trip to Tallahassee. We were going down to to party with some friends for a college football weekend and play that album the whole time, but. What's really fascinating, um, and you probably heard this, Anthony Kiedis, his childhood. Oh my gosh, this is um, like you could do an episode on this. He, his father was an actor, and his his he had a, a pseudonym or stage name as an actor. His name was Blackie Dammit. That was his. <laughs> you can look this up. This is amazing. Blackie Dammit. Blackie Dammit was All his right. dad's stage name. And I don't know where the, I think he left his mom when he was maybe 12 in Michigan or Pennsylvania or somewhere and went to California because he wanted to live with his dad who was partying it up every single night in Hollywood as, as Blackie Dammit. And the 12 and 13 year old Anthony Kiedis is coming out there and his dad is encouraging him to party and to have sex and things like that and was getting him women to sleep with at like 13 years old. Holy cow. 
So that's the rock and roll lifestyle. He was living that when he was 12. So this is what's interesting. I have a stat. I love like rock, like rock biographies or autobiographies. There's two sitting in my apartment right now that are in the stack of, they're the two that I just haven't gotten to yet. And I've had them for a while. Uh, one of them is scar tissue, Anthony Keyes, book. So I, you, yeah, you gotta I got to read out. that. And he came out with that. That's been years. After yeah. Now, and I just, yeah. never, and now I'm looking at Blackie, uh, uh, damp. Was it Blackie? Damn it. Yeah. Blackie, damn it. Blackie, oh, damn it. Oh, wow. There's no mistaking. That's him, isn't it? That I mean, is it's no doubt it's his dad. That is his dad. Wow. So he had parts in, man, this is a, this is quite an eighties list. Of, of <laughs> Lethal weapon, Magnum PI, Alf, <laughs> night court. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that is so interesting. Right, very, very that. fascinating band. They're another one of those bands that is like, there's nobody else that sounds yeah. like them. You hear it, and then Chad Smith looks just like Will Ferrell, just like him, which is crazy. It Chad Smith almost serves that role of like somebody in the band has to have just a a very plain name <laughs> and not like a maybe he has a crazy backstory. I don't know, but between Flea and Anthony and John John Frusciante, it's like yeah, Chad's just got to be there just to yeah. Stabilize, stabilize things. things a little bit. Yeah, I'm right there with you, man. I was listening to a lot of them through several periods and great road trip band. Yeah, you just put it there. Yeah. Great road trip music. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you brought them up. Uh, I'm going to throw this band out because, just like I said earlier, there, there a lot of those things that we were listening to, um, music was different then. You didn't have the internet the way that I know you did when you graduated high school, but I was my senior year, I feel like was the first time I got online. Um, and, and of course, being online then is nothing like what it is now. Completely different experience. There was no iTunes, there's no Spotify to listen to music, to hear music. It was either on the radio or MTV, or you just went to a record store and you sampled a CD and you liked it and you bought it. Because uh, it's not like we're going to a bunch of shows. I mean, maybe when I was in high school, I started going to a few shows, but I wasn't going to shows before I could drive or anything like that. So how you got your music was different. So what I'm getting at is is you, it, discovering music took longer. There would be albums that would come out, and you might not hear it for a while. Um, you, you Maybe you'd hear something on radio or whatever. But uh, I bring this band up. Not specifically for um, any other thing that they had done, but this one particular album, Dr. Feelgood, Motley Crue. Interesting. Had been out for 10 years by the time I graduated high school. And I don't re really remember hearing the song Dr. Feelgood until maybe the mid-90s. But I, would, I, I loved that song. It was like my hype-up song, playing a game or something like that. I would listen to Dr. Feelgood. So it was like the, the fire-up song. We got a basketball game or whatever. That's what I was going to play that song and listen to it before. So, and I would do that really throughout high school, but the, the album, the song had been out for a while, but it didn't really hit me and really anything that caught my ear until I was in high school. Interesting. So I, I can tell you, and you probably already know this, but just a little bit of trivia about that album that I am aware of. Bob rock was the producer of that album. He produced a lot of the big, like a lot of big bands and hits in the, in the eighties the sound of that album, not not the songs themselves, uh, but the sound, the production of that album. Lars Ulrich from Metallica heard that. And this is coming off the heels of Justice for All. And they recruited Bob Rock because they wanted their next album to have that, wanted to sound that good, sonically. Again, yeah. 
There's, so was that there, Black Album? Black Album. And so that the next album was then the Black Album. That was their first with Bob Rock. And then he would stay their producer for the next 15 years or oh, so. Oh, wow. Through, through St. Anger was, was, the, was the last. Uh, but that was the sound of the Black Album was really Lars. And I, maybe James too, but I think Lars was the main driver. Heard Dr. Feelgood and just said he, I think Lars even said he'd not really heard a rock record that sonically sounded that good. Again, the songs material-wise... Yeah, Metallica and Motley Crue are both in the hard rock genre, but material-wise, they're pretty, they're drastically different. Motley Crue's singing about girls, 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 and stuff like that. Metallica's a different thing. But even when I've I've listened to Doctor Feelgood, and I'm more of a like Motley Crue greatest hits kind of guy. That's kind of where I've mm. never I've mm. never done deep dives on albums. I enjoy greatest hits a lot, but those sound those songs that from from Doctor Feelgood, the title track. They sound amazing. And I can listen to that now and I can hear like, okay, that is like sonically what they were going for and what they got on the Black Album. It just, it sounds very crisp. Yeah. And so like perfect, really. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, I, I had, I don't know, a handful of songs that I would want to listen to before a game. That was really, that and ACDC, yeah. um, you know, you're about to go play a game or whatever and that's what I wanted to listen to. So I was listening to Modley Crew. Nice. Yeah. Okay. All right. Here's, here's one that I'm... Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess you had this album. I'm gonna guess you liked it. I could be I could be totally wrong. I would wager to guess that at Robert's County High School in Lexington, Virginia, at least me amongst me and my my group of friends, if collectively there was one album that everybody probably had and wore out during high school because it came out I think my sophomore year, but it got played nonstop all the way through my senior year. Uh, Kid Rock's "Devil Without a Cause." Oh, album. you have no idea. That that I was album, out of high school, but yes, that album. And if you're listening to this, I, I want to just preface this discussion with this. Whatever your thoughts are on Kid Rock's uh, political beliefs, I'll I'll let me put it this way. I also listened to Rage Against the Machine's Battle of Los Angeles album a lot my senior year. Yeah, you could not have two artists or people that are further apart politically than those two. Yep. I didn't care what he, what Kid Rock's politics or Rage's politics were. The Rage was all about politics. I didn't really understand what they were saying. I just loved the sound of the band, yep. which is probably why you and I both always gravitate towards Audio Slave because that was Rage with paired with instead of Zach De La Roche, one of the best singers ever, and Chris Cornell. Yeah. Um, but Kid Rock's Devil Without a Cause album, I listened to. That was another one that I listened to the whole thing today. And I was in the car for a while, so I had time to burn down a few albums top to bottom. And the word that kept coming to my mind was, man, this album was, it's still, it's fun. It's mm. just fun. This was an album, at least in my high school, you could, we would have a field party out there somewhere and somebody could just put this album on, hit play and go. And I, if you, in totality of high school, my senior year, well, S&M was probably the most, this one is right there with it. Was that 99? You got the release date on that? It came out in 98. Uh, I'll give you the exact date. Yeah, it I'd came love to know out uh, August 18th, 1998. Okay, I was right before I started college. Yes. So now in the grand scheme of things like the, the does it hold up discussion, I, I don't know. But I listened to it today. I was like, damn, man, this is still just so much fun. Mm. This album is... is, And at that time, it, it, if you weren't around during that time, it's hard to... He was huge. Yeah. It was really, it was based on this album and how massive this album was. It was a huge album. I, you know, it's, I'm glad you brought that one up because that, that was more my freshman year. Spring semester freshman year is when I really locked into that album. 
And um, I found that album about the same time I was going through my most rebellious period of life. I mean, they, they coincided beautifully. It was like the soundtrack to my life. I w- when I was 19, 20, 21 years old, that's all I wanted to do was what I wasn't supposed to do. Um, I was on my own. I was in college. There were no rules. Like, cause I grew up in a very, um, pretty strict household, lots of rules. Um, father, a pastor, mother, a teacher, lots of discipline, which was good. But right after that, when I'm out of college, I wanted to do all the things I was not supposed to do. And that was pretty much the soundtrack of my life at that time. That was a perfect one for that perfect. lifestyle. Yeah. I, just listening back to it today, the title track probably got listened to, at least for me and my buddies, that's the song Devil Without a Cause. Yeah. I mean, over and over and over again, we played this album and that song. I mean, the Joe C part, you know, I'm yeah. a J-O-C. <laughs> I mean, it's so fun. It's so much fun. And even it's a fun, like, party album and re- very rebellious album. Mm-hmm. And sounds great it was great to see live uh and then you've got a a song that a ballad that still holds up in my opinion and only god knows why it's still Mm -hmm. just a great song that can hit you at the right right time there's there's footage of kid rock at woodstock 99 when he comes on stage and this would have been he's at this point becoming a a star a superstar and they he opens with ball with a ball and he comes out wearing this big, like, giant white fur coat with a cane and a top hat. That. And then you just see him, and he kind of slowly takes it all off and hands it off to a roadie. And then and the, the, it's, the song is building and it's building. And then when he goes into that, my name is Ken. <laughs> and, the, and then he, the, the song kicks in. And you just see the sea of hundreds of thousands of people just, just I mean, just Going losing nuts. it. One of the best, again, whatever you, th- if you're listening to this, whatever you think of his music. I've talked to people too, who aren't the biggest kid rock fans, but for whatever reason happened to see him live, at least back in the day, I saw him. It's been over 20 years. Since I saw him, but I saw him a couple of times. Mm. One of the best entertainers I've ever seen. Uh, but th- man, yeah, that album, we wore it out. This is how stupid I, or green I was about music at the time. Uh, this was one of the first, uh, <clears throat> one of the first early albums that I bought myself in high school. I bought it from Walmart. Didn't realize till afterward, that Walmart only sold clean version yep, of the song. Yep. You find out real quick on Kid Rock's Devil Without a Cause that there's a lot of bleeps and <laughs> words missing and whatnot. So, yeah, that one, I, I, I'm i not embarrassed to say, especially after just burning it down again today, I'm not embarrassed by that one. There's even some deep cuts on that album are a lot of fun. Great, I would put it as just a great party, rebellious, fun album. I, I don't even know when the last time I listened to that album was. It's, it's been you, a long time, but I listened to it. So I'm right there with you. I listened to that album all the way through a thousand times. Today's the first time I've listened to it in definitely years. Yeah. And man, I'm like, oh, it's, it's, it's still good. I, I, there was no laughter during that. And I was just a lot of foot tapping and yeah. singing along. It's good. Yeah. It's good. Oh, that's good. I, I've got maybe one other album on here that's on the, I don't mind mentioning it album. Or, collection everything else after this is pretty much embarrassing okay so not, i've got not so much emba- i got some that it's ultra embarrassing other that's it's kind of it's not bad but i wouldn't listen to it now kind of thing but okay um i'll i'll, I'll throw this one out um uh, i listened to what's the story morning glory oasis oh, it's so good a lot oh it's so good um and they had, had definitely maybe come out a few years earlier that was maybe my freshman or sophomore year 
of um, of high school. And um, same thing as I mentioned earlier, there was, there was another girl that I kind of had the hots for, and we got to hang out a little bit with that album playing one time. So I kind of, it was very PG, but for me at, sure. the, at the time, it was like, man, this is big news. <laughs> um, so whenever I, I would hear uh, that album, what's the story of morning glory? I would think about that. So, uh, but I love that album. Listen to it a lot. Top to bottom. Uh, the, I thought the definitely maybe album was good. I knew who Oasis was. I thought this next album really took them up an, a huge notch. Uh, I thought it was a really good album that I'll still listen to today. Uh, Champagne Supernova, Wonderwall, all that stuff. Um, yeah, it was still a good album, and it, I, I think about those. I think about that band, and may, maybe what might have been. Not to say that they flamed out; they had some really good albums. But you know, you had the the rivalry with the Gallagher brothers and all that, and they were just kind of just gone. Yeah. But um, uh, that that's uh, an album I was listening to a lot my senior year, and if I hear it now, it takes me back to that same place in my mind. Holds up a hundred percent. Timeless. That album, timeless in my mind. <clears throat> and to your point about hanging out, um, there's a reason <laughs> a lot of guys, myself included, were trying to learn guitar. And one of the first songs you you learned to play was Wonderwall. Every time. Every time. And honestly, beyond the the funny reasons, it's just it's a very fun song to play and just sing yeah. sing to yourself because it's just a just a great song. I got great memories of like school, like a, a field trip where we went and a bunch of us are on a bus. And the one I didn't know how to play guitar yet, a buddy of mine did. And he had his guitar with us on this because it was like a, a overnight, like a long weekend trip somewhere. Uh, and he played Wonderwall, and we were all singing it on the yeah. bus. And it just it's a it's a warm, fun memory to look back. Yeah, on. that's cool. Yeah, that that album, hundred <clears throat> percent holds up. Okay, um, not embarrassed here, but we're getting we're getting closer to the neighborhood. <clears throat> but I did I listen to these. These couple of albums, well, really the the hits, the singles off these albums, I listened to them a lot my senior year. I had seen these guys live for the first time. A uh, big concert I'd gone to July 4th in between junior and senior year was Summer Sanitarium. First time seeing Metallica. And the bill from top to bottom was Metallica, Korn, Kid Rock, Power Man 5000, oh, and man. System of a Down. Power Man 5000, I don't have them on my list. That was another album I got and definitely listened to that year. And I, I, I can go back and listen to that one now and still enjoy it. Kid Rock, we went over him, uh, but Corn was the other one I mentioned. So I went to that concert that day. I did not care one bit about Corn. Wasn't there to see them. Couldn't have. Been, I don't even know that I could have named a song by them when I would see them. Came away from that going that concert going. All right, I'm going to check these guys out because I like a lot of what I just heard there. Uh, so senior year of high school and early college, but especially senior year, I listened to a lot of the two albums I listened to a lot were Follow the Leader and Issues. I say albums. I, I I'm glad I had the time to listen today. I did not listen to Corn in mm. at least a decade, probably. I went back and looked, and I was like, I really only listened to two songs on Follow the Leader, and those were the two big hits, which were um, uh, "Got the Life" and oh gosh, the 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 music video with the bullet. Um, oh, that was. Um Oh my gosh! It was says go. The bullet takes off. Yeah, the, where he's boom, bop, ba, doo, yeah. Bop, ba, that whole thing. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm gonna look it up here. I can't. I can't believe I just listened to it today. Uh, it was like beating me down, beating me down into the ground. Uh, gosh! All right, it's right here. It is freak on a leash. Yeah, freak on a leash. Okay, that was gonna drive me nuts. 
Uh, I listened to those two and then a few songs off of Issues, which are falling away from me. Uh, somebody, someone, trash, make me bad. So I was listening to those today. Freak on a Leash and Got the Life. I'm like, all right, I'm all right with these. I'm not embarrassed by these. Wasn't really embarrassed by the stuff on Issues either, but there was one or two of those songs where I was listening to some of the lyrics. And I'm just like, eh, this is a little creepy. I don't know if, yeah, <laughs> I, don't know if yeah. I would play this for anybody now. Uh, but... Corn is one. They are very much lumped into the new metal in you, uh, new metal scene. They're one to me. They always just, nobody else really sounded like them. Yeah. Very angry, aggressive, rageful music at the time. And still is, I, I haven't, I don't, and I know they're still around. I haven't checked in on anything they've done in really in 20 years. But at that time I listened to those, those albums a lot and I listened to Bl I loved Blind. Blind is fantastic. So good. I had that I had that I had the first two albums eventually too and I but mainly just to listen to Blind, yeah. uh, Adidas and yeah. uh Twist, which is the short little like nonsensical uh song. I will say Jonathan Davis at least at that time the lead singer whether you liked him or not, you would see him I see him live and there was no, you would come away from it going, well, even if you didn't like the music, there's no doubt that singer literally left every bit of his yeah. soul up on the stage. Like everything he had was into that, that show. So yeah, not something like that I would buy on vinyl now or that yeah. I listen to now, but I, I was expecting to kind of be a little more embarrassed by it. And I wasn't, I, it was like, Oh yeah. The, again, some of the words on some of the later stuff that I listened to is a little questionable, but, mm -hmm. but, uh, but not bad, not bad. So, Corn, and then let me just throw. Let's see, I got a couple more. Oh, Seven Dust. Oh yeah, debut album. That was the other album I bought from the the record store guy who turned out to be a jerk. Still remember going getting that album, the CD. I mentioned earlier I volunteered to go get pick up Chinese that night for the family and bring it home. And I remember rocking that album on the way home. Still listen to that album today. Yeah, it is fantastic. Love that band. I went actually here in Atlanta on St. Patrick's Day in 2017. They did their uh, 20th anniversary of that album, played it in its entirety. Uh, got to go to that show, um, which was just an awesome. Because they're an Atlanta experience. band, are they not? They're an Atlanta band. And I'm not sure. I don't think they all live here now. Mm -hmm. But they're still, they, they came from Atlanta. They are like, they. if you were saying where they're from, you'd say Seven Dust from Atlanta. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Because so. a lot of the stuff that you're mentioning is because we're, what, three years apart? Yeah. Um, it, it, this is this was like my everything you're listening to is what I was listening to when I was in college, yeah. like freshman sophomore year. So you're listening to the same thing your senior year that I was listening to. So I was I had a buddy who was he introduced me to Seven Dust, he introduced me to uh, Power Man Five Thousand, and a and, uh, bunch of other bands of that genre. Was it? Mud Shovel or oh Mudvayne, Mudvayne, yeah, Mudvayne's Mud literally the next band on my list. Was it really? Love their debut album, LD Fifty. Yeah. The the music video is what I saw first for Dig was their first song. Okay. And it was like almost, I mean, I was 17, so I wasn't scared of a yeah. band on TV. But it did have like this scary edge to it where it's like you had these guys in this crazy alien makeup on a bright white background. And this dude is like screaming. And I would they the video is in heavy rotation on TV. And it played enough that I ended up starting to dig it. And um yeah, LD fifties one. I did that was one I didn't even have to go back and listen to today because I still listen to it. Yeah. Uh, that is a great. It's still a great going to the gym. Mm -hmm. uh, I can start that album the first few songs on it, and it's still man, it still hits me. Yeah. It's still good. Great, love Mudvayne. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's cool. Because it's, it's these these bands that you're mentioning, they take us back to different places in our lives. And for me, it was at college, and we're you know listening to a ton of that stuff. And you were listening to that in, in high school. And I listen to it now the same way that I did then. Like, I'm, I'm trying to get fired up. I, a lot of those songs that we're talking about that are 25, 30, 35 years old, I've got them on my gym playlist. I listen to pretty much every single day. Well, let me throw one more at you that maybe I wonder if it's on there. And this album, I will 100% stand by and say holds up. And I senior year, I wore this album out. Uh, Disturbed, yeah. their debut yeah. album, The Sickness. Yep. That is, the hits were great. The songs that weren't even singles on that album are great that that album their first album i like their second album too that came out while i was in college but that first album man so good and still i still listen to it today yeah didn't they they had an album where they even covered was it like depeche mode or somebody who do they cover uh a couple things so on that first album and i love this cover uh they covered shout yeah, and they called tears it, for fears. They, it? Yeah, yeah, tears for fears, yeah. and they called it shout two thousand. That's right. That's right. I remember that because it is definitely it's great. It's a awesome like badass cover. Um, very. It's called shout two thousand. The album came out in two thousand. The Disturb album, and it definitely has a def, a two thousand ish sound. Yeah, to yeah, it. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so good. I, that's I can still listen to that, and it, it gets me fired up. They even throw in that little like in between like. Uh, in the chorus one time, there's a guy in the background just goes, with your ice, ice, baby. Like, I just throw that in there for fun. Uh, but yeah, that, that uh, oh man, I can listen to, like the game is track two on that on that CD. Down With The Sickness, the song is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, that's another one. Word out, senior year of high school, still listen to it now. Down With The Sickness is one of those songs where I had to listen to it on MTV or I'd whatever, and you just hear the song, and then you get the album, and he's going to this whole part that's edited out where it's like he's getting beaten by his mom or whatever, which is kind of I bizarre. Could, I could do without that. Yeah, I I'll be too. honest. I love the song. I could. I, I like the versions that don't include that yeah. part. <laughs> it's it. You, you always when you're buying CDs, um, unedited CDs, there was always that part where you, it would. There's that moment of shock where if you heard something that wasn't on the radio. And you didn't know that it, the song might be edited out. I, I remember, um, remember the Jay Z song. It's like, can I get a what what? Yeah. So that was not the actual version <laughs> of the song. Right. He's like, can I get an F U? Is what he said. And we were. I went and bought the album. I was in college, and we were planted in my Camaro, me and some buddies, and he we're singing the song. I think it actually. You know what? It wasn't even his album. It was on the soundtrack to um, uh, what's the movie with Chris Tucker and. Um, rush hour rush hour it was the rush hour soundtrack and that song was on there and so we're sitting there singing it like, can i get a, and i say what what and he doesn't say that and i'm like oh no way i had no idea that was an edit um but there's, it's, it was funny when you'd buy a cd that you didn't know there was an edit in and hearing what the actual lyric was for all you casual black eyed peas fans out there that love their song <laughs> let's get it started if you want to do a little research there's a previous version of that song that exists that ain't let's get it started i haven't heard that it's it rhymes with started yeah okay (laughs) (laughs) i'll just say that okay so i'll I'll let everybody do your own research on that one but they had a uh they had a previous version of that song yeah it's so funny there's i bought again the same as the kid rock thing not realizing buying cds from walmart was was not a good idea unless it was there was nothing explicit on it uh randomly the first metallica album i ever bought i was just first getting into them and i didn't know any better 
I just it was the newest album that was out and it was a double album and it was like marked down. I'm like, oh, it's two CDs and it's cheaper. It was their covers album, Garage Inc. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I bought that and listened to it for a long time. And it wasn't until years later that the first song on the album is this random kind of punkish uh, cover called Free Speech for the Dumb. Mm-hmm. I just always thought that James was just singing free speech, free speech for the dumb, free speech. I just thought there was like this random pause in there. I didn't realize till later on. I was like, no, there's an F-bomb in there. And I had the Walmart version that, that uh, bleeped it out. Yeah. It wasn't a bleep. It just didn't exist. Just, yeah, yeah. It just uh, deleted that audio. Yeah, so there was a couple instances of that. That one is the first one that comes to mind. That's right? a good it's like, one. I was like, oh, that's the real version of this. I'll be darned. It's quite the revelation. Uh, yeah, there. it sure was. All right, where, let's see. Where I'm trying to think. I'm burning through all this stuff that I, I'm still listening to. Um, well... Actually, we've, we've, I've, I guess I'm less embarrassed by a lot of the stuff than I thought it was going to be. Cause yeah, I, no, a lot of that stuff, I mean, to this point, I mean, I listen to a lot of the stuff that you're talking about. And yeah. I mean, I don't know how, how often I'm still listening to Aaron Tippin, but I'd yeah. proud to say that I was listening to it back in the day. I listen to Where the Eagles Fly Yeah, every now and then, especially July 4th, something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's right. It's not bad. Um, I tell you, I'll grant you, you mentioned Jay-Z. I did have a few rap albums that I listened to senior year. And I went ahead and I hadn't listened to at least two of these three I hadn't listened to in years. Uh, Dr. Dre 2001, I was listening to that today. That was very popular at the time. Mm. And I listened to it today. I was like, I'm not a hip hop or rap expert by any means, but I'm like, this is still has to be, has to be one of the greatest rap albums ever made. Yeah. It's just, it's so good uh, and still good. Ludacris Southern Hospitality came out. I only knew the couple of hits, but I was liked Luda and also outcast Stankonia. Both of them. I was very intrigued as a long as a kid growing up in Virginia, who was a Braves fan. And really most of what I associated with Atlanta was the Braves. And then also some random things of like, you know, uh, you know, smoking the bandit. It's kind of Atlanta's mentioned in there. There was a Kenny Rogers NASCAR movie called six pack where it culminates in him being racing in Atlanta. So this was, Listening to those guys like Luda and Outkast kind of gave me this whole. I'm starting to learn a little bit more about other other parts of Atlanta and more of the culture of Atlanta. So I, I Stankonia in particular, I still still enjoy. Got to interview Big Boy from Outkast in Stankonia studio earlier yeah. this year, and I had internally had a little bit of a fanboy moment of like we did the interview in the studio where that album was recorded, and um, it was funny. I actually told him I started the interview by talking about that, and I said I. I was looking at him just like I'm looking at you now. And I said, I remember the first time I heard Ms. Jackson in Stankonia. Uh, I don't remember exactly where I was. Uh, I was with a girl and, and a Dairy Queen drive-thru and she popped it in. And, uh, and I was like, I, it, I was electrified by it. And, he, and then I, and I went on, you know, just praising the album or whatever. And he goes, you left out the rest of the story. I was like, what's that? And he goes, you got lucky. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, 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 no. I should be so lucky. But, but uh, so I listened to a little bit, a little bit of the hip hop that was popular at the time. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I don't know that this is embarrassing. Well, that is a great way to start off my embarrassing list. It, it's not an embarrassing song, but how I, when I listened to it was, is kind of embarrassing. Did you ever have a, like a going out CD? Like all your friends, you, there was always a CD that, that uh, like when I was in college, you'd burn a CD and like, this is my going out CD and yeah. that kind of thing. Oh Yeah. Yeah, there was a song my senior year when I got my Camaro, 
and we're like going out and everything. There's a song that I wanted to listen to kind of set the tone for the, for the evening. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was LL Cool J's doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so when we were, when we were starting up that I'm picking up friends, I want to listen to it before we went, whatever we're going. I just like put me in the, an aggressive mode. I guess you might say like, we're going to party and we're going to meet girls and hang out. And well, I was listening to doing it. Well, I'll tell you <laughs> along those same lines, <laughs> There are two songs that I associate with. I don't know if you guys did this. I know we did this. We graduated high school. Me and all my buddies then went to the beach for a week. We all put some money together, rented a house in a little house in Myrtle Beach. And we went, that was at that time, my high school was a tradition. A lot of people, you would, you'd graduate and the next day you'd leave and you'd all your friends, you'd go to a beach somewhere, yeah. on a beach, just beach week. There are two songs I associate with that week. Uh, one is Metallica's, uh, again, actually off of Garage Inc., their, their cover of Tuesday's Gone. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, that became like, if, you know, I don't know that we were in anybody's conscious that this was kind of our last hurrah as the friend group that we've had all the way through, but maybe somewhere deep beneath we were, we would listen to that song a lot. It mm-hmm. was like, it was, it was, it touched us. Now, the opposite end of that, the other song I said, <laughs> my buddy had, he didn't even have the album. He just had bought, he bought the single. So he just had this song. Yeah. Yeah. Baby, I got your money by old dirty bastard. <laughs> and we, we, we must've listened to that song a thousand times that seven days we were in Myrtle beach. Yeah, it, that was the anthem. Oh God. Over and over. Partially just by, well, it was already in the CD player. So just yeah. go ahead and hit play yeah. again. Uh, but oh my god, that song that was like you with LL Cool J, yeah, and old dirty bastard with uh, I think that's I don't I assume that's what it's called, baby. I got your money, I assume that is I mean, that's that's the only lyric that hey, I really know from hey, the song, baby. I got you, yeah, money. it's gotta be right, yeah, gotta be so, yeah, that's the, kind of the sing, you know, what's funny when you 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 mentioned the single that led to a lot of bad decisions, was because you don't want to commit. <laughs> the one song that you heard on the radio, but if you heard a song and you saw the single there, you can get it for, you know, three ninety nine or something like that. You'd buy it, and it'd be, be, be the single. I might have this. Might this was probably the top of my list for embarrassing things that I owned, and it was a single. Okay. And I remember being at the. I remember when I bought this, and some buddies of mine were at the uh, the CD the record store, and up at the front they had this single. And I'd heard the song, I think, once or twice. But there's this really attractive woman on the cover as this is the singer. I'll get to her in a second. Okay. And I picked it up, and I was, I was going to buy it. And my buddy says, are you seriously buying that because you think this girl's hot? I'm like, yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> so I bought, the, I bought this single because of what was on the front. I don't know that I ever really li- even listened to it, but I bought the single of Torn from Natalie and Bruce Lee. Oh, 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 now it's getting good. Now it's getting good. So I bought the single and I just had the thing in the car and I would like look at the cover and like, I'm not going to listen to this, but my goodness, she's gorgeous. Well, this isn't senior year, but my freshman year of college, I, I, I bought, it wasn't the single, it was the album. I don't know the name of the album, but it was Kylie Minogue's new album yes. at the time. And because I was like, God, she's hot. Yeah. And I, and I'll just, I mean, if I'm going to sit here and admit stuff, I like the, what was the, the single, uh, can't get you out of my head. 
that song would get stuck in my head. Yeah. And then she had another song on there. It was like, um, oh God. Let's see. Love at first sight. Yeah. That's probably my most guiltiest thing I've ever bought. It was, yeah. it was that, uh, but partially just because I would I saw the music video for "Can't Get You Out of My Head" and I was like, oh, yeah. "Wow, we are very simple creatures, man." We really, are. it doesn't take much. I I remember popping the single in and listening to it, and there's there's a part in the song where there's some lyric about like going to see a fortune teller or something like that, and I was like, I can't take any more of this. And I, <laughs> I hit eject. But I never threw it away, and I don't. I don't know where it's probably my parents' house now. But I, at the cash register, there's the single. Here's the cover single. Purchase. There you go. I was. She did it for me. So. Okay. Hey, you dig what you dig, Natalie and Brugley. If you're out there, phone number. I'm kidding, but ah, uh, yeah. yeah. Wouldn't that be something if she's the one person that listens to our show? I hope so. Be a big, that'd be a big, big boost. listen. Yeah, be a big boost for the Ehaw Junction the favorite podcast. podcast from Natalie and Bruglio and Kylie Minogue. Let's, yeah, if we're reaching for the stars here. Uh, okay, so uh, there's a few. Um, all right, I'm gonna, I'm still gonna save my really embarrassing one for the end. So I'll, I'll burn through a couple here. Uh, well, no, you know what? Here's one that merits discussion. All right, um, and definitely merits a um, or warrants a. How embarrassing is this discussion? I went back and I listened to a lot of this today because I definitely listened to a lot of these guys, two albums that were big at the time, my senior year of college. Uh, sorry, senior year of high school. Uh, Limp Biscuit. Yeah. I had Significant Other was the one album, and then the album that came out around my senior year was Chocolate Starfish and the Hot Dog Flavored Water, which is... I saw them on tour right after that Did you? album came out, yeah. Okay. It was, it was DMX, Godsmack, Limp Biscuit. That's a fun. That's it was actually, tremendous. That's New actually Orleans. that's yeah. a fun show. Yeah, we had a. That's cool. That was awesome. I, I went back and I listened today and fully expecting to kind of laugh out loud at uh, some of the Limp Biscuit stuff. Significant other. I was listening to that and I, you know, Nookie comes on. I'm like, yeah, okay, this is <laughs> like this is, yeah, boy, this is not great. And then Break Stuff came on and I was kind of expecting to laugh at that and I was like, you know what? It's might be kind of a silly song, but this is still a good. I'm just pissed off and just need to be pissed off. So, yeah. Or at least I think it is. Yeah. So the, you know, we get to the, I'm going to break your effing face part. That's that still, still hits a little bit. The one that really kind of got me a little bit today, not in the embarrassing way, but the opposite way. I think it's the, the songs, if I remember right, are in this order. It's Nookie's track three, break stuff is four. Track five is a song called rearranged. Yeah. I remember rearranged. And I have not listened to that song in at least 10 years, if not 15 it came on today that that cool little bass riff that starts the song and then it's just think about it and it started and i was like oh gosh i forgot about this song. yeah and isn't it funny with music that you haven't heard or thought about in so long but at one point in your life you listen to it a lot i knew every word to that song yeah i was singing along with every single word did not miss a, a beat on it and i finished it and i went you know what i think that one still i that one still holds up I'm yeah all right with that one yeah um, what else was on that? Oh, in together now with method man was on that. Mm -hmm. album. Not, mm -hmm. not bad. So I, I went through significant other. I'm like, all right, most of this is, uh, still, still, still holding up. And there's some silly songs on there. Show me what you got is like a funny song that I would listen to. It was actually on the Woodstock 99 live album, which I had and listened to a lot. And it's pretty much just Fred Durst naming cities and cool people. Right. People right. He knows. Uh, but you know, whatever. Then I got the chocolate starfish and hot dog flavored water. And 
That was where I found myself laughing a little bit more. Yeah. Well, first off, the cover is just the strangest looking thing you've ever seen. It's very odd. Yeah. It, it's almost like a bad, like somebody that just learned how to use a do like, a, like <laughs> Microsoft paint or right. something. Yeah. Or they download, they saved a like low grainy crappy image off of Google. Yeah. And they're like, uh, let's just use this as our album cover. It's very weird and grainy and not, it's not the, the cover of significant other is like that graffiti, like the guy, he's got the, the mic up at his mouth. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Actually. Got like the hat on got yeah. the, like the red ball cap. Uh -huh. Like it's cool. And then that one, chocolate starfish is very it's like weird. the alien looking guys in a pile of hot dog wieners. It's weird, very weird. Somebody looked at that and said, yeah, that's what we want. That's what we want. I actually read a theory. This is, I don't think this is true. I just read a, a when I was doing a little research on this. Uh, I I read that somebody there was a theory that's out there that chocolate starfish in the hot dog flavored water was kind of a spoof or parody take on uh, Smashing Pumpkins melancholy and the infinite sadness. Really, that was yeah. But then the the actual explanation I read was chocolate starfish is slang for uh, an anus. Uh, okay, <laughs> and that. Fred Durst said, well, basically everybody thinks I'll say everybody thinks I'm an asshole anyways. So I'll be the chocolate starfish and that they were on tour somewhere. And Wes Borland, the guitarist, was making jokes at this truck stop about uh, if they could like because of the selection of food and concessions or items that that you could get at this this particular truck stop. He's like, they've got to have they probably have hot dog flavored water. Uh. Here. And so they just tack that on to it. Um, memorable title. Yeah. Know. Well, it, it had it had Roland. Yeah, remember listening to that. It had Rolling. my generation on it. Uh, my way. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is I was listening to this that album today, and this is where I had to laugh at myself. Poor, poor, like, poor little eighteen-year-old emo Ricky, when he would get upset or something with his girlfriend or be mad or something, I would listen to the songs, these two songs back to back on the album because they were tracks ten, eleven, or eleven, twelve, whatever they were. It'll be okay, which is not a uplifting it'll be okay song. It's a I'm mad at you song. Yeah. Followed by Boiler, which is another I'm mad at you song. I'm mad. Funny thing about these songs, I don't I don't remember these titles. Yeah. But if you play them, I guarantee I'd remember them. Both of the I don't know about it'll be okay. Uh if you would Boiler I believe was a single, and that's one and it actually it was not bad. For being Limp Biscuits, not bad. And there's actually a hidden gem at the end of this album I'd forgotten about until today. It's a slower kind of ballady song. Uh, where Scott Weiland sings. Really? Uh, it's called Hold On. Not a single or anything like that, to my knowledge, but it, it I listened I to it today. It, it's a very deep cut, um, but not bad. But I, I was going back and like being in, in like my 18 year old self and how, you know, listen to the words, man. <laughs> I was like, oh, God. So Ricky. sophisticated. Oh, yeah. God. You know, so bad. What did they have? Um, the George Michael re Faith. When did they do that? That was on their first album, Three Dollar Bill, y'all. Three Dollar Bill, y'all. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I never listened to that album very much, but I had it. Yeah, I remember I bought that one when I was first getting into them. I bought it like used at the record store for like the CD for like four bucks. Yeah, and I think I literally only listened to that song on it. What a bizarre choice to cover. Very. Yeah. I which is hilarious because he's, he's at the pinnacle of the song. He's doing the whole thing. I got to have faith. He's like, get the F up. And just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah this yeah. is awesome. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll tell you a, a, a Limp Biscuit story related to uh, my job. Going back to 2015. So I start my job with the Atlanta Braves uh, doing social media. It, well, at, the, at its start, it was literally only 
in-game Twitter. Like, so I would run the Atlanta Braves Twitter account in-game. Now I'd had years of just being myself on Twitter and talking about baseball. Uh, and I'd figured out what at Ricky Mast was on there. But now I get hired to do this for my team. And I was not here in Atlanta. I was in New York. I was trained, quote unquote, and by a major league baseball at their office up in New York at the time. And so I was working my first game remotely in New York with these MLB folks and not with Braves folks here. I was very nervous. I just, I couldn't, I didn't know what to do. Yeah. And I was just like, all right, I just gotta just tweet something for fun. So this is the infamous 2015 Atlanta Braves. Oh, they were good. They were good. Uh, yeah, it was rebuilding here. And so one of the, maybe the first tweet I sent out from at Braves, uh, it was, do you remember Eric Stoltz? Yeah, pitching? yeah. He, he, was, he started for the Braves that night and he'd gotten through like three innings, like unscathed, I guess. And so I tweeted from the at Braves, much like Limp Biscuit, Eric Stoltz just keeps on rolling, baby. <laughs> that tweet got eviscerated, <laughs> as it should have. Yeah. It has been nine years and we still, and I say we now because I can make fun of it myself, we still talk about how awful of a tweet that was. <laughs> Maybe the worst social media post in the history of Major League Baseball. In 2015. This wasn't 2001. No. No, I thought of, that was a perfect time to bring back Limp Biscuit. It was 2015. <laughs> uh, it took me about two years before I could finally start laughing at it once I kind of understood the job a little bit better and knew how to do it a little bit better. Yeah. But first night. And I remember walking back from to from the where I MLB's office where I worked the game was training that night to whatever hotel I was staying at. And I think I had a I think I might have even said a little prayer. I thought I'm like, God, if I messed up, just, just 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 take me through it, get me through this, however. My boss insists that that tweet shall never be deleted. It's still up there, it still exists. <laughs> uh and I can laugh at it now, but Oh yeah, that was my first. That's beautiful. First day on the job. What a horrific thing to post. You started at the rock bottom, so at least I set the bar as low as I could. That's great, go. man. Yeah, that's so great. I think, but yeah, there's a lot of Limp Biscuit is one that, oddly enough, too. Here in the last couple of years, they're kind of, I don't say they're making a comeback, but they by especially by 2015, nobody was going to see Limp Biscuit. They're no. out there. They actually are like headlining some festivals and stuff now, yeah. and embracing their uh, they still have the bass player as like the the monkey face paint thing oh, it's uh the guitarist yeah west borland yeah this is okay yeah he uh, was he a bass player or is a lead guitar he's a guitarist okay yeah and now only i've seen some recent clips of not with actually jacob who works in uh brave's office is mascot manager he loves this he saw it on tiktok and he just loves it uh, a recent performance where limp biscuit comes out on stage and Fred Durst now, he's gotten into where he kind of, he's not doing like the the backwards red ball cap and the baggy pants. He's kind of got like almost costumes that he's coming out in. And a recent shot concert, he came out dressed up as a cowboy in the full jeans, belt buckle, cowboy hat. And when the song kicks in, instead of doing like the old school, you know, they're headbanging. He's, I don't know how you describe this move, but he's kind of like doing a lasso and doing like a little, like hump in the air. Okay. It's bizarre, uh, but Limp Bizkit somehow still exists and still out there like playing shows in the, the year of our Lord, 2020. Good for them. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> that they're still alive and breathing. Good for them. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, 
Remember how I was talking about how it became great that you could buy a single? <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Like it was a few minutes ago. Yeah. Um, here, here's why that became great. Did you ever buy an album? I know you did. Everybody did. Where you bought an album because you liked one song, you thought the rest of it would be really good, and it was just terrible. Absolutely. Well, over time, the the song that I purchased this album for, I don't even like this song anymore. <laughs> but my senior year... I bought the album Floored by Sugar Ray for the song Fly, which was the last track on the whole album. And I remember putting it in thinking, well, the rest of this will probably be pretty close to to Fly. (laughs) (laughs) The rest of the album was tragic. (laughs) (laughs) If I were ranking worst albums I've ever purchased in my life, that's easily in the top three. Okay. Easily. It was horrible. I remember just being dejected. Going to the next song. Next. next. There's got to be another one. There's got to be something. Something. No. And all the lyrics were just atrocious, and the songs were just dumb. And then you get to fly, and it's like, how did they pull this song out of the rest of this pile of crap? Right. Um, and, and it got tons of radio play. I had that on there. Another. We're, we're really hitting the, the upper reaches of embarrassment right now. Another album that I purchased uh, for one song, and and listening to this song now, because I I listened to it the other day when I was prepping for this show, and I'm like, why did I like this? (laughs) Uh, There was an album called Becoming X by the Sneaker Pimps. The Sneaker Pimps, you say? Yeah, and they had a song called Six Underground. Oh. You remember this song? Wait a minute. Okay. And it was like a, a, a gal singing... And it was on. Um, it was on the soundtrack to the movie The Saint. That's where I heard. I remember hearing this song and liking the song. And then I bought the album, and, and it was just not good. Um, so th- th- those were. I, I remember thinking, I don't have a whole lot of money to begin with, and I just dropped you know sixteen fifty for two for, for one song off an album, and then years later, you don't even like the song anymore. Um, there's quite a dejecting feeling when you've spent, and again, you're buying CDs back in the day. You're probably on average spending around 20 bucks, which yeah. is if you're at our age, that that's a lot of money. Yeah. And in some cases at, at the height of CDs, a new CD was going to run you 25 probably. Right. Right. And so at that age, that was a significant investment. And boy, you talk about it just uh, being completely dejected when you put the thing in the, you put it in the CD player. Like, I don't like any of this. And it's just, oh God, this, this sucks. Yeah. Please find another, please let there be another one. Please let there be. And and the thing is, Rick, I don't know if it's still like this now, but I feel like there are so many bands and groups in the late nineties who were notorious for that. Mm -hmm. They had one song, one that I didn't buy this album. You, You and I brought this up in conversation uh, a week or so ago, it wasn't on the air, but a buddy of mine bought this album, and it was the Sex and Candy Marcy Playground, uh-huh. and it that song sounded really different, and it sounded pretty cool the first time I heard it on the radio. It, I would say even now, if I heard it now, it's it still sounds different, and cool. I yeah, think. It, yeah. And, and it was it got your attention, and a buddy of mine had the rest of the album, and he didn't like it, and I just, I mean, what are those guys doing now? You know, they had one split second in the sun with a, a song and then nothing after that. But I feel like that era and, and maybe I'm, I'm being, maybe I'm not remembering things uh, the right way, but I just feel like that era had so many bands 
who were on the radio with one song and then vanished after that. There were. There there really were. There were a lot. There were and I haven't done deep dives in all these. Marcy Playground is an excellent example. Like a band like uh, Semisonic or Semisonic. Yeah. Closing yeah. Time. Massive yeah, Closing hit. Time. I couldn't tell you anything else about them. Don't know if they ever had anything. Actually, I do know one thing because I, I, I listened to a podcast where the singer from that band was interviewed to talk about that song. And it turns out that guy, I think he still does some stuff with Semisonic. He went on to be a very prolific writer for other artists, including, I think he's written for Adele. Like okay. one or two of her hits, like he's written and won Grammys for other artists, but as his own band, just had that one. If that hit. song came out today, it'd be as, as it might be bigger now than it was then. I agree. That was a great song. A great song. Very much whatever it was before. It was not when I was a senior, but maybe when I was a sophomore. It was very much a like a graduation song of that year. Yeah, and it's obvious for the themes of the song. Like it, it coincides. Makes perfect sense with that. It's a great song. Yeah. I couldn't tell you anything else about that. I don't either. I don't either. Um, I remember um, I had a buddy. Do you remember the song? And I had to look up who sang the song. I couldn't remember who sang the song. I just remember the song. Do you remember the song How Bizarre? Oh, yeah. Is it uh, OMC? OMC, yeah. 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 I, I had a buddy who to this day, he graduated a year after me. If We're just talking about something. He's one of the funniest people that I know. And even to this day, if something bizarre that happens, he goes, how bizarre, how bizarre. <laughs> this is, that was 25 years ago. But it made me think about another group where they had this once. So I looked up that band. The lead singer passed away like 10, 12 years ago. He had some rare illness. Huh. The how bizarre, how bizarre, right? How bizarre. Um, like like uh, <coughs> Len, Steal My yes, Sunshine. Yes, perfect example. Like, what? how did all that, how did that entire... Thing transpire that um who was the who was the group um they said marilyn manson will kick your ass in oh new radicals new radicals yeah that one i think do they have anything else i think the main guy from that band i think he just decided i remember right i i think he after that he just decided he wanted to like produce a right for other people and just didn't want to do it huh. anymore i think well to answer your question no they just had that one yeah. song, which is Great. I still like that song. Yeah. It's very catchy. Very 90s-ish. Very Just catchy. so many of those. There's a lot of those from the 90s that exist. And I feel like when I was in high school, I feel like um, really late high So I, like I said, I graduated in 98 and then into college. I feel like that was just a breeding ground for that. Yeah. Where we'd just been through multiple generations of yeah bands that have been around for a long time. And then it was just like these one-hit wonders that were there for two seconds, and then you never heard from them again. I'll give you a, a well, this one is just a silly song, but it was massive and so random. Friggin' uh, Tub Thumping by Chumbawamba. Chumbawamba. Yeah, good like, call. Like, how does that, like, and I think, I don't know if they were, I think they were Scandinavian, like, I don't know if they were Finnish, Swedish, I don't know, somewhere. <laughs> oh, they're definitely finished. They're <laughs> 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 well played. You had them, you had, uh, all right, I'm, I'm getting some, uh, a little bit of, a little bit of uh, internet help now. Oh, uh, in the meantime, by Space Hog. Oh man, oh, that's Space a, Hog. That was a good song. Good song. I don't know that they ever did anything else. Um, what was? I don't know, man. Something was going on then. Breakfast at Tiffany's by I Deep hated, Blue. God, I hated that. Song. I never liked that song either. But it was. It, it was, was a, a huge hit. hit. Yeah, I had a buddy of mine. He thought that was the best song, and I was like, "This song sucks." Uh, <laughs> oh, I knew that reminds me. I knew. Well, I didn't really know this girl that well. She was a friend of my girlfriend, 
her at the time her favorite band was uh how do you say it Diswala counting blue cars yes. remember that yes. tell me all your thoughts on oh god, my song. gosh it's a huge hit yeah god I forgot about that one i it, it see now you got you kind of jog something loose in my brain i remember my freshman year of college uh, a buddy of mine had a crush on this girl and this girl was going to see a an artist that night. I'll get to that in a second. Okay. And he said, Hey, you, we got invited to go to this concert with these girls. Do you want to go? I said, who are they going to see? And he tells me, and I'm like, why would we do that? <laughs> so what this, he has one popular song and the song sucks. And he's like, well, I said, who are the girls that are going? He rattled off some names and I'm like, oh, okay. I, not to sound shallow, but the 19 year old me is thinking, I wish they were a little bit hotter. I'd, I'd, I'd stomach going to see <laughs> Edwin McCain. Oh, love suicide. And his, so we so we go, and I'm like, this this is absolutely brutal. <laughs> and the, to add on to this, because he's singing all these songs that I don't know, and he had the the one song that I did, the I'll Be song. Oh yeah. And um, but his he was having voice issues that night, and his voice started going out. I mean, he sounded horrible. <laughs> So he's playing and just really struggling to get through these songs, so much so that you you felt bad for him. And it was at Howlin' Miles in Jackson, Mississippi. But uh, wow, there's another guy that here's a song that got a ton of radio play and poof gone. Oh, I'll give you a great one. Just came to me. I still like this song too. Save tonight by Eagle Eye oh, Cherry. Eagle Eye Cherry, yeah. Which I I went down this rabbit hole a few years ago with Eagle Eye Cherry, assuming it was a band. It was just a that's a guy and that's his actual name. His name is Eagle Eye. His name is Eagle Eye Cherry. Maybe he knows uh what was it Blackie Dammit? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, let me let me bring what him do you, up. What his buddies call him? Uh, let's see. His full Well, that's a good question. Double E. Double E. Eagle Eye Lanou Cherry is a Swedish singer. Maybe he knows uh, uh, Chubb Mwamba. Yeah. Performer, uh, 1997 single Saved in Night. Yeah. Huge. So, yeah, he had uh, had that one hit, but that is that is his birth. That is his given name, Eagle Eye Lanou Cherry, uh, and just had that one All right, Well, well look, look this uh, This might be on there. I feel like somebody used that song semi-recently okay. as a parody, uh, sampled the song, um, that like within the last few years. And I don't know if that would have if that would be on his um, Wikipedia or what. But we're in an, we're in an era now in 2023 where I feel like modern acts are using old songs and, and and adding their own lyrics to older songs and yeah. i, I want to say that that might have been what it, which is a terrible idea but uh i'm not there's nothing jumping out somebody put a, a video up on youtube 30 second video called uh shave tonight let's get that beard all gone <laughs> uh, uh, i'm sure i'm sure what you're talking about exists and i'm just not finding it um but but that's a that's another one. Yeah. Another boy, we are going to I'm I'm all about it too. I'm we're going down Seven Mary Three, Cumbersome. That's a, oh, a good man. song. Yeah. Everlast, what it's like. That guy. Because he was wasn't he the lead singer of um Jump Around Guys? House uh, of Pain. House of Pain. He yeah. was. That was yes, he was in House of Pain. So he all right, so you only had <laughs> this list I found. Natalie and Bruglia torn. Boom. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> Look up the cover. 
Uh, oh, sixpence none the richer. Yeah. Kiss me. Kiss well, which we still play in the ballpark. <laughs> oh, yeah. On the kiss cam. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, this is, here's one that, all right, I took a music introduction to music industry class in college. Is by far the most interesting class I ever took because it was just interesting. The guy that taught it was, uh, had a lot of connections in the music business. Now, I went to James Madison, which is in Harrisonburg, Virginia, which is just over the hill from Charlottesville, Virginia. And uh, and there is, at least going back in the 90s, there was a music scene there. I know you're not a, a Dave Matthews guy. Oh, but God. Yeah. <laughs> Someday we'll get into that. But that was originated from Charlottesville. And there were, so there was, and then a lot of the business that was built around that band and the management and the merch company that then have kind of spawned beyond Dave Matthews' band originated out of Charlottesville. So there's a little bit of a scene that exists there. Not okay. not all just focused on Dave Matthews either. I'm Is just, he from there? Uh, or that's just kind of where he got to start? That's where he got to start. He was a bartender and played at a uh, a little club there that no longer exists. It's called Tracks, and it was called Tracks because it was built right next to some railroad tracks. Okay. Um, but so anyways, this this professor that taught this intro to music industry class was pretty well connected and knew a lot of people that were in the, I don't want to call it the Dave Matthews universe, but in that thing and that kind of had him in the in the had various connections and some not connected to dave matthews including this this artist i'm going to mention this artist i'm going to mention actually was a uh, a student of my professor years prior this student and another fellow student who would later be a speaker in our class uh both these guys different times came back and were guest speakers in this class they would they, they met at jmu and they went on to they formed a band whilst at jmu and they had one song that became a massive hit, and it was the only hit they ever had. The band uh, was called Everything, and the song was Who Got the Hooch? Do you remember I that remember song? this song. So that band originated out of JMU. The singer for that band came and talked to us one day because he was still, he and his bandmates were still play, writing music for the band. But he, and I believe the other main guy from the band, I don't know if he was a guitarist, or, but the two of them were at least the way I remember it, were kind of the the main guys of the band. They had, at that time, had a company or a business together on their own in which they would write music for commercial use. I remember him telling us at the time they had just gotten a big like contract to write music for some Tropicana uh, orange juice commercials. Really? And that was what... So it was very interesting to hear from somebody who had literally had been a one-hit wonder and then was also telling us about other parts of you know, how they were going on to sustain themselves in the in the music industry but yeah that was uh that was another uh another one hit wonder everything with who got the hooch i believe it was i remember on the, the song well i believe it was on the Waterboy soundtrack maybe okay uh but yeah it was very very different uh sounding from everything else that i remember 90s god it's just literally just it's so many one hit wonders there's a lot there's um, a lot man well i'll I, tell you what oh go ahead. go ahead i was about to say that could be its own episode one day i'd we should we we should absolutely add that to the list. Yeah, so a one one hit wonders. You can then you can break that down by genre too. Yeah. Okay, so I'll. There were some I was going to mention that I that I. <laughs> okay, I remember Lifehouse. I definitely had that CD with <laughs> hanging by a moment. <laughs> uh, had that one. Uh, oh, this band I remember. You. This is going back earlier in this show. Not embarrassed by this one at all. Listen to this album today for the first time in a while. Still sounded great. This was a band 
I think it was you were talking about uh, Everclear, and you yeah. bought the album based on a buddy's recommendation. A buddy of mine, my senior year, was, this this album came out February of my senior year. He worked at the the record store. He still plays music for a living professionally back home, just live music. He at the time though he was working at our local record store, and I was in the record store. I was a regular after school, just going hanging out, listening to stuff, trying to. Like you said earlier, it's very different time to find right. the music. You would often go into there and like sample stuff and listen right. to it right. in the what the stations that they would have. He tells me about this this band's first album, new band that just came out with their first album, and he sang their praises and this album's praises so much that I didn't even listen to it. I just bought it because I trusted his opinion. It was a band called Tantric. Oh yeah, their yeah. self titled debut. I listened to that whole album, Breakdown today, and Astounded, Morning. Yeah. And deep cut. I listened to the whole album today, and it's like, damn, this is still good. And which was that band was minus the singer. The rest of the band was the guys who had been in Days of the New. Yeah. And then they split with the the singer of Days of the New and got this guy, and they formed a new band. Now I think I don't. I haven't checked in on this, but I think now the only guy that's left in Tantric is the singer. I think the rest of the band's gone. I see. Love that album. So end of very end of my senior year, definitely bought. Um, a stained break the cycle i had that it's been a while like yeah. that was that was one everybody was listening to that I was like all right it was like a race to the store to go get it the day that came out so uh, it's still around but all right all right speaking of cringe stuff is what aaron lewis the singer of stained is doing now you heard his <laughs> country work I've, quote unquote country i've only been able to delve into oh dear god is it it's a pretty bad oh my gosh i was when he first started I listened to a little, and I was like, okay, but I can't. Yeah, it's, it's, it's bad. It's brutal. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm going to take your recommendation yeah. on not listen to it. <laughs> I like Stained. That, that first, I like Stained. Their, their first album was pretty good. Yeah. I listened to it a lot. Not bad. Some And some of those, those songs still, still hold up, I think. All right, I think we've reached the point in the show in which I need to do the, the, the big reveal. There was not a song that I had heard by this artist I'm using in quotes that made me go get this to this day. I don't know why I bought this. I do not know why I bought this album. This was your senior year. You purchased this. I purchased this album. My senior, I think it came out a year or two prior. I do not know why I bought this. I know looking back at it, there was only one song on the album that I even listened to. I listened to it today and I almost peed my pants. I was <laughs> laughing so hard. Ben, I went to the store and I paid American dollars for an album called The Amazing Jekyll Brothers by Insane Clown Posse. <laughs> <laughs> and I, to this day, I don't know why I did that. And I listened to it today and it's horrific. The lyrics are horrific. Not even a message. It's so awful. This, this, this album sucked. It was terrible. I do not know why I bought it, but I definitely paid probably $20, like we talked about earlier, for The Amazing Jekyll Brothers by Insane Clown Posse. And somewhere in my parents' attic or basement or somewhere in a box, I'm because I never throw, throw albums away, even the crappy ones, uh, I, I definitely owned that album. We all make mistakes. You know what I remember about that? I'd much rather mine be Natalie and Bruglia than this well, crap. Well, yeah. At least she was fun to look at. Yeah. Um, I feel like when they came, and I never really listened to them. I knew some people who, I worked in a warehouse, and there was this one guy who listened to them regularly. I feel like, and you tell me if you, if you think I'm 
right on or, or wrong about this. I feel like people though they're going to be almost like a like a Cypress Hill, but with a, a metal flair to it. I don't. I could see that. Yeah. I, I I'll be honest. I don't even know. I think looking back on it, I think there was to me they were. Well, you bring up Manson. They were kind of caught up in the whole like Columbine. These these leer or these people are evil and inspire evil yeah. kind of thing. So maybe there was like I was not very rebellious, but in some of my trying to find music, I think I was a little rebellious. So there was something about them that seemed kind of out there. And to an eighteen seven well, I was seventeen. My whole senior year I turned eighteen uh, a couple weeks after graduation. Maybe it seemed a little rebellious to me and a little like little dangerous yeah. to buy something like that. It turns out it was just stupid. Yeah. It turns out it was just really stupid, at least for me. And I'm, I know they're still out there. The, uh, what are their fans called? The, 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 the gigolos. The I juggalos. have no idea. Oh, they have got, oh, wait a minute. Hang on. There's a, they're still performing today. I think so. Their fans haven't the juggalos. I'm sorry. Gigolos is something different. Gigolo is something <laughs> different. The group has, a, I'm on their Wikipedia page has established a dedicated following called Juggalos, numbering in the, quote, tens of thousands. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the dozens. <laughs> uh, Joseph Bruce, a.k.a. Violent J, and Joseph Utzler, Utzler, sh- a.k.a. Shaggy 2 Dope. Yeah, this Shaggy is... Shaggy 2 Dope. Shaggy 2 Dope. Okay. This is, uh, this is at 1989 to present, so... Yeah, this is uh, look. Uh, if you're an insane clown, if you're if you're a a, a juggalo out there listening to this, mo offense. Dig what We're you not dig. your podcast, mo. Probably, probably not. Uh, again, I'll I'll probably say it every episode. Dig what you dig. Yeah. But I own this album, Ben, and this album is crap. Yeah. And I don't I don't know why. But so at the top of your list of your embarrassing list, I can't think of anything worse. Yeah. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but good Lord, I don't know that I could find anything worse than that in my, uh, my, my catalog. Yeah, because it's different than, hey, here's a song on the radio that I might listen to versus, hey, I'm going to go buy this album. Yeah. Um, and that's what I was trying to think of because not everything on my list were, were things that I owned. Might have been things that I enjoyed listening to on the radio. But when it came to what I, what I was embarrassed by, I wanted to think of, right, what did I pay American cash for? Mm-hmm. And that was, that's, that's, that's a, a different level of dedication. It's pretty bad. I wonder, and I'm trying to justify it now in my own mind. I do wonder if, I remember when I bought Power Man 5000, I don't think I actually knew any of their songs yet, but I was very intrigued by the album cover. They mm-hmm. kind of had this like outer space, like right. alien kind of look. And I immediately, I could put that in. I'm like, oh, I, I like this. Yeah. It's good, like hard rock metal, like dig it. So maybe I just had that same, and they had kind of a fun name, Insane Clown Posse. Yeah. Like I, maybe I was kind of hoping there was kind of a similar effect. It was like, easy to buy an album based on liking an album cover. It's like going to a movie because you saw a good trailer. It sounds silly, but it's true. Like like, if you I, saw something that was that looked cool, it's like, I I feel like I need to buy this. Just want this. Yeah, I want to open it up and see what's in this booklet and that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, you know what, though? I don't want to go too far down the road of trying to defend this awful choice because any way you slice it, it's it's freaking So That's probably at the top of your list, and I guess at the top of mine in terms of embarrassment. I'm more embarrassed of of the Sugar Ray album than the (laughs) Natalie Abruglia single, to be quite honest. That was really, really, really bad. I I didn't mind the – what was the – what was their next hit? Was it Every Morning or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was like a 
fourteen fifty nine was it? Because it's like yeah. fifteen minutes of fame thing, and they which I'll give them that. That's clever. It's clever. I like that. Like, uh, at least a little self self deprecation. I can I can I can dig that. Yeah. There, and I'll throw this out there. I didn't have I didn't own this song, but there is one song from that era that gets played very very regularly, especially at sporting events, and I don't understand it. Why does Mambo Number no. Five get played in twenty twenty three? I hear uh, Lou Bega, and the song was horrible then. It's yeah. just a stupid song. And to this day, I will hear it, and, and I will, anytime I hear that song, I will take a video in the ballpark and send it to two buddies that I graduated high school with, and I'll ask them the same thing. How is this song still alive in 2023? I don't understand. How did it happen then, and how does it? I don't know. I don't know. It's, you, you can't predict these things, especially when it comes to the one-hit wonders. What, what catches and what doesn't, it's very unpredictable. Um, I also remember, you know, um, you remember the Now That's What I Call Music albums? Oh, yeah. They got to have like over 100 or something a now. Of them. Like now 220. I think I had now one. Okay. <laughs> and I looked, at, I looked it up. It came out in October of 1998. You had now, you had now BC. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was this, and I owned this album, and I don't know why, but it was, it, it had, I mentioned Sex and Candy, Marcy Plager, and I had that on there. It had Fly Away by Lenny Kravitz. It had uh, Radiohead on there, Karma Police. I love Radiohead. But it had Barbie Girl, Aqua. Oh, Aqua. Um, so this would have been around 96, th- I'm this guessing? This is October 27, 1998, release date. Oh, okay. I don't know why, because all these songs didn't come out in 98. Uh, Together Again, Janet Jackson, As Long As You Love Me, Backstreet Boys, The Way by Fastball. There's another one, Hit Wonder. Flagpole Sitta by... Harvey Danger. Harvey Danger. There's another one hit one. There's a great one. Um, Say You'll Be There, Spice Girls, All My Life, Casey and JoJo, Uh, Never Ever by All Saints. Um, If You Could Only See, Tonic. You mentioned them uh, on a previous episode. They are. Yeah. And then. Zoot Suit Riot, oh, Cherry Poppin' Daddies. Cherry, yeah, what was up Dear with the, What was up with that big band the thing? The big that happened band, in the 90s? like goth. I don't get it. I, I hated that stuff. Brian Setzer, yes, from Stray oh Cats to that. Like, how did that? Dude, if, if if I'm if I'm at Guantanamo <laughs> <laughs> and you're trying to get information out of me, just play that crap. I'll tell you anything you want to know just to make it stop. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oh, if you played Zoot Suit right, you wouldn't get through the third play of that where I said, hit stop, I'll tell you everything you want to know. I'll I'll sell everybody out. Wow. All right, so you've got me... um, You got me thinking. So there was a... Now, that's what I call music. When my buddies and I, we... So I mentioned we went to the beach and um, our first... For beach week after we graduated high school. I, for a couple summers afterward would um would organize a trip for some of us when we were at uh on summer break from college so we went two more times i think when we went in two ah, here it is when we went in 2004 one of my buddies uh bought we had we brought a little boom box with us that had like the old school had like a cd player and stuff in it and we stayed this just dirt cheap hotel on the the main strip of myrtle beach Right on the beach. So, but on, uh, I mean, we, I mean, we're talking like, I don't know. We split it. We stayed, split two rooms and like eight of us and 
dirt cheap, and then the dirt cheap was split amongst four people. So it was <laughs> or eight people. So yeah. Uh, we had two CDs that we listened to nonstop that week. My um, one was I had just bought uh, Big and Rich's uh, first album that had like Save a Horse, Ride a Cowboy. I yeah. don't remember the name of the album off the top of my head, but we listened to that a lot. The other one was my buddy for some random reason on the trip down there, like at a truck stop or something. Bought now, bought thou. Uh, sorry, now that's what I call music sixteen. So here I'll read you some D12, my band. That was the Eminem oh, yeah. group. Yeah, Outcast, Hey Ya. Uh, I'm not gonna read all these, but the ones that I remember with JoJo, Leave, Get Out, Leave. Oh, yeah, I remember it was a girl, <laughs> right? He has a girl. Yeah, I remember it was that. Like a young girl. Yeah, yeah. that one. <laughs> it had uh, Hooba Stank, The Reason. Oh my God. Uh, Yellow Card, Ocean Avenue. I don't three, remember that. Uh, three Days Grace, yeah. Just Like You, Switchfoot, Meant to Live, uh, and Los Lonely Boys, Heaven. And we that I think that song was relatively new then, and we yeah. listened to that. But anytime I hear now, that's what I call music, <laughs> I immediately go back to that 2004 <laughs> beach trip to where my buddy, for some reason, bought this album, and then we just played it all week and just had it, and most of the songs we didn't like. Yeah, just so random, the stuff just, on there. We were 21 yeah. years old and at the beach and partying and it was just funny to listen to it yeah time for some reason so that's great those i remember my buddy uh my buddy sonny when i first had this now album he's looking at like man this is great all because that was kind of a new concept yeah at the time you had to have all these all these songs on one album this is before you could even burn a cd right you could make a mixtape right but that took time and also you had to have some copy of the original song somewhere so you'd have to have all those CDs or borrow the CD and then put it on a tape. It's a whole thing. Yeah. It was, whole production. Yeah. A lot of effort. And this before then you would, if you wanted to hear all this stuff, you'd have to buy 17 individual albums. You remember, did you ever get those? Um, I don't know if it was like Columbia house or whoever I mean, you get like 10 CDs for a penny or something a like penny that. And yeah. then it's like, you just have to make sure you don't get like the, the, you could cancel the subscription, but this was for those of you listening to this, you don't know what the hell we're talking about. There was a thing these companies would offer like a deal where you could sign up for their program where you would get so many, you pay a penny and they'd send you like 15 or 20 CDs yeah. of your choice off of this, you know, this guide you would kind of pick through. And the deal was you were sort of automatically signing up for some sort of like a subscription based thing, but I think you could cancel it. Yeah. You just had to remember, this is all by mail too. And, and you got the catalog that you're looking through the That's catalog. Right. Yes. You would have a catalog and you would pick them through and pick all these CDs. I did it one time. And I remember I got that box and had like 20 CDs in it. And I was, man, I was pumped. Uh, and then I think I ended up screwing up and, and, forgot to cancel the thing. So then ended up having to pay for the next month or whatever it was. Yeah. But that was a way around it where you could get a ton of CDs for basically no money. But otherwise you had to rely on these compilations. Right. Did you have in the nineties either jock rock or jock jams? Do you remember yeah, those? Yeah, absolutely. The, the ESPN uh -huh. like sports albums. Uh -huh. Yeah. Those were, uh, those were, those were, I had both those, the first jock rock and first jock. Jams. I think we had jock jams too. Okay. I think that's the one I remember having. Okay, let's see. Jock Jams, Volume One, Hit by Nature, Unbelievable, Gonna Make You Sweat, CC Music Factory. Okay, so we need we need Jock Jams Volume Two. Here we go. Came out in '96. Oh they yeah, had the Macarena on there. Yeah. Oh yeah, I did have this one. Yeah, 
And I loved it because it was an ESPN like branded thing. Yeah, so yeah. The, the first and, like track, cheerleaders on the cover or something like cheerleaders that. Cheerleaders on the cover. And the opening track was Dan Patrick and Chris Berman. That's right. Saying, Welcome to the show. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, you had uh Casey and the Sunshine Band. There's a mixture of stuff on here. Yeah. It's very interesting. My that summer after I graduated high school, so I got some some money for graduation. And of course, the responsible thing would be to save it for college. I saved a lot, some of it. I also took whatever the, the cost was at that time, 400 300 $400 of it and bought a PlayStation 2. <laughs> Very wise investment. But I got, one of the first games I got was a game called ATV Off-Road Fury. Yeah. Me and my buddies played that it, game. It had a good soundtrack on it, didn't it? it? Had a, I had this. Did you really? So well, I didn't have it, but a, a friend of mine did. We'd play it, and it had, I think it had Seven Dust on there. It did? And it had um, had an Alice in Chains song on there. Yes. And so this I is, remember this. So I actually looked this up. I've got the link here with the soundtrack on it. I played, the game itself was great. It was a very fun game to play. And then also, the soundtrack was, um, was so good. Yeah. And... Oddly enough, so even though at this point in my life I had heard of Alice in Chains and Soundgarden, this silly video game was the first time I actually got to hear a song by either one of them. Really? So the Alice in Chains song is Them Bones. Yeah. Which is yeah. Classic. Yep. It's just a, a great Alice in Chains song. And a Spoon Man. Yeah. Is the Soundgarden song. Such a great song. Uh, and I already knew the Seven Dust song, but God, it's still one of their best. Denial. Yeah. Uh, so great. And then there's. Um, God, what else was on there? Uh, Jerry was a race car driver by Primus. Yeah, was on there. Yeah, uh, you had let's see, Boy, Primus. Uh, what a random! Didn't they have was it like Linda's Beaver or something like that? Winona's Big Winona's Brown Big Beaver. Brown Beaver. That's it. Winona's got a big. Though the some of the dumbest lyrics ever. <laughs> yeah, but man, the music itself was fun. Yeah, it just it had that that group. What a unique guy. Yeah, Les Claypool. So there was uh, a couple songs. By, <laughs> I remember these songs uh, just from the soundtrack. There were a couple songs by a band called Ultra Spank. Ultra Spank. I had a song called Click and a song called Crumble. I think they were kind of a newish metal band. A band that I remember at least one of these songs. I don't think they ever made it beyond the soundtrack. They were, the band was called Straw Horse. They have one song in there called Fishbowl that I can still kind of hear in my head. Okay. Um, so it was a mixture of like really good and known artists and then some that were, I think, up and comers uh, at the time. There's an Anthrax song on there, which I don't remember, called Crush. Um, so there's only about 12 songs on there. But man. It was, it was, it's for good. a video game, it was awesome. At that time, too. We're talking 2001. Like a soundtrack, not that I play video games really at all now, but a soundtrack in a video game is... Yeah. yeah, that's like yeah. extremely normal. I mean, even a couple years beyond that, you had like a Grand Theft Auto Vice City that has an amazing soundtrack, right? Uh -huh. So, but that was the first time I remember a video game having an actual soundtrack and not like the, you know, the old school Super Mario 3 8 bit or whatever right. that, whatever that's called. Right. Um, 8 bit, that's not that, but what, you know what I'm talking about. Sure. Um, that was the first time I remember a, a video game having an actual soundtrack. Man, they had some good ones. On. Yeah. They did. So that, that summer, that was still. Ending senior year, man, I have so many fond memories of me and my buddies hanging out that summer. Um, if we were at my house, we'd play that game some, and it had that awesome soundtrack on Yeah. It. And that random game introduced me to two amazing bands, Alice in Chains and uh and That's Garden. cool. Yeah. That's really cool. 
We've covered a... We've been all over the place, man. This was fun. It was. I did not end up as embarrassed as I thought I would. Other than saying Insane Clown Posse out loud, that that's going to be something I have to live yeah, with. Yeah, well, it... it <laughs> You know, you, there there might be something that because you're you're trying to for me it's that was 25 years ago and you know it's for you you know 20 years 22 years ago and um, there might be something that still jogs loose in my in my mind you know, over the next week or so now that I kind of got off on the on the topic of this but those are the ones that when I first think of senior year 97 98 um, that's what pops up and it, it's funny because I can remember what I really liked. That was no problem. And the ones that were embarrassing to me popped up pretty quickly as well. And that's uh, second they did, I like, I got to talk about how I wanted to listen to doing it on the way <laughs> out to meet with my buddies or right. buying the Natalie and Bruglia CD because I thought she looked so good and things like that. And um, it, those are all fun memories. And uh, it, it's funny because you don't, you and I don't mean to be, but I think to a degree, you, we become music snobs with age. And things that I listen to now uh, versus then, it, it's completely different. And I know that if I think about my nieces and nephew when they're 17, 18, whatever they listen to, I know I'm going to trash it. Yeah. But I know that when I was my age, when I was their age, I, I would have every right to be trashed for a, a good amount of the stuff that I listened to then too. But that's that's the fun of it all. And it's fun to down the road have a podcast about it, talk about it. I do now. I, it's so, that's so dead on accurate. I do think about like, I'm 40 now. And I wonder what a 40 year old in the year 2000 who like heard me sitting there in the parking lot in my Camaro with chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored water cranked up listening to limp biscuit. And they had to just be thinking, Society is lost. This is, what are we doing? America. That's a person who would have been born in 1960. <laughs> so they'd have been in high school in the mid-70s. I mean, prime music era for you and me. It's, it's the stuff that we like to listen to. We were, in some ways, you and I were kind of born at the wrong time. Yeah. We would have, if we were born in 1960 and we're having these experiences, this time frame of life in the mid to late 70s, holy cow. Yeah. You couldn't, it, you, there wasn't. <laughs> Insane Clown Posse didn't put anything out in 74. <laughs> yeah, to my I don't think they would have cut it. <laughs> no, no. So, well, this was, this was a lot of fun. I, I, this was, uh, we've, we've had to put a lot of work into, uh, these previous episodes of like narrowing down lists. And this is just a free form. I, we didn't even get to everything. Oh, Buck Cherry. I listened to the hell out of it. I loved Buck Cherry. Buck Cherry's first two albums. Yeah. I had to bring it up just now because I those are the last two albums I listened to on my way uh here tonight. It lit up and crazy bitch and all yeah, that stuff. So good. Their second album, there were some songs on that. It was not a hit album. There's songs on that album I will still crank up today. Both yeah. the first two albums. Th that puts me back in spring break college. Oh, okay. That's what we were listening to. Man, going to spring a, break. That band talk about a perfect soundtrack for at the beach party. Oh my gosh. The rock and roll, very much in the like, I, I'm not, let me get this straight. I'm not comparing them to Guns N' Roses. I'm just saying if you were in the family tree or the kind of the same neighborhood. Like, fire up party soundtrack. Fire up rock, party rock and roll, but yeah. for the year 1999, 2000, 2001, as opposed to 87. Yeah. Like it's yeah. that kind of same, just party rock and roll with a singer that can kind of it's funny you say that because when i went to see guns and i saw guns and roses in atlanta uh in november of 2012 
Buck Cherry open for him. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. And the lead singer is a Josh Todd. Josh Todd brought his daughter out on stage. Oh man. And she sang a song and he's doing the, I mean, it was, it was awesome. Man. How, time, how times change. Josh Todd bringing his daughter on stage. I saw Buck Cherry in 2001 during my senior year, actually, they were the first band, uh, it was Kid Rock was the headliner on the, I don't know if it was called the American Badass Tour, but he was headlining at the Roanoke Civic Center. Me and my two buddies went. Is Kid Rock was the headliner. Fuel was the, yeah. uh, which I, I I liked Fuel. That album was out at that time. Um, something like Human. Was that, like orange CD. Kind yeah. of a cool cover. Yeah. Cool, like a chrome and orange yeah, cover. Yeah, yeah. The, the big hit songs on that were uh, that, you know, hemorrhage in my hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Fly, yeah. yeah. And bad day. Yeah, I yeah, later, yeah. when I went to college, had a buddy who told me it's very similar to your ever, uh, ever uh, clear. I was going to say everlast, ever clear example. He's like, you should listen to Fuel's album before that. Yeah, and that album I still like a lot. Yeah. There are still songs that I'm like, those still hold up. But Fuel, and then Buck Cherry was the opening act. And to think about a band that at that time was touring on an album that had songs like uh, Slamming whiskey in the morning and porno star yeah to then flash forward a decade and jo the, the singer's bringing his Got daughter out to sing. Out. it's funny how that, that is cool yeah yeah so really fun good this, episode man. this is fun man this is fun uh, we haven't even selected our next one yet but we'll figure it out or have we selected our next one um let's see i have a list that we yeah i'm all to all all ones that we've selected i'm down for so to give we've been giving people a tease so let's let's uh um the next one i had was favorite artist from the state of texas oh i like it um that was our fourth episode and then the one after that top 10 songs the day you were born all right that's too close to uh, the the same vein as what we just yeah did. we could push that we could punt that down the road a little bit all right want to do texas yeah we could do that I like that. That's going to be, I already know for me, that's going to be an eclectic list. That'll be, that'll be fun. That'll be a good one. That, yeah. there's, that's what made it kind of, I, I was I was thinking about different ideas for podcasts, and there's so many different type of musicians from Texas, so I thought that'd be a good one. So, And that is a radical departure from what we just did. Very much so. I like it. Very that's perfect. So. All right, buddy. Well, this is fun, and uh, hey, we'll talk Texas next time. We'll do it, man. Yeehaw. Right. Well, yeehaw.